Um, this episode has some, shall we say, adult language. So please don't let any young children listen. For the 2nd of June 2007, this is episode 16 of Potterfic Weekly. Welcome to the place where the story never ends. So run the next time you're feeling jealous of me Cause I'm so famous and awesome at Quidditch Just remember that time that we took you to Slughorn's office And welcome back to Parfic Weekly, everybody. This is Ryan, and to start off tonight's episode, we're going to air in full a conversation that Phil and I had with Jenya a couple of weeks ago. Now, this started off, actually, as a regular episode of Parfic Weekly. She was going to be discussing chapters 41 and 42 with us, but you get Jenya in the room, you talk about all things Harry Potter, and you get no work done. So it wasn't an official interview until about halfway through it, so it's more of a general conversation. And then we're going to go to an interview that Jen uh, Jules, or Aggie Bell, on our forum, and I uh, conducted uh, with Arabella, Genya, and all of their betas while they were at Phoenix Rising. If you've ever been on a conference call with six people in a hotel room, you're going to know things are kind of hard to hear, so just bear with us on that. And we hope you'll stick with us uh, next week when we start our discussion of Melinda Leo's The Seventh Horcrux. If you haven't read that fic yet, um, I'm about halfway through it myself. It's a great story. Uh, you can find links to everything on potterficweekly.com. So let's get started. And welcome back to Potterfic Weekly. I'm Ryan, and I'm here with Phil, and we have a special guest tonight. Hey, Jenya. Hey, Ryan. <laughs> that sounds so funny. It's like, hey, Jenya. Hey, Ryan. Hi, Jenya. How are you? I'm fine. How are you, Phil? I'm doing very well. Thanks very much. Cool. I thought it might be you. Ryan, Ryan kept teasing me. He kept saying that there was a special guest host this week, uh, but he didn't tell me who it was. So uh, I am honored to have you in the conversation. I can't believe you took our story to the Philippines with you. Is that what Absolutely. I heard? Oh, my yes, God. Yes, I did. <laughs> did you take anything else to read besides the story? Uh, well, I have some other things on my computer, but uh, uh, that's no, that's about it. That was the uh, the one story I took because it's um, uh, boy, how do I say this without sounding like a gushing idiot? Um, <laughs> it's 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 probably my favorite thing that I've ever read, and it's it's emotional enough for me that I can't read it all the time. I know that sounds funny, oh. but I, I can't I can't read it all that often. So I haven't I haven't actually read it cover to cover in a, in a while. It's kind of like spring cleaning, Zenya. You you do it like once in a while. You get it out of your system. And you know, you back to life. <laughs> but, but you know what has to be done, so you do it. <laughs> I keep telling you guys all the emotional stuff was written by Megan. Okay. So. <laughs> so you basically. Well, I thought. Hold on. I thought you were the one that you didn't like to write the descriptions because you always forgot to tell people what was happening. Yeah, you know. And so she filled in all the emotional stuff and, you know, all the details and, you know. So what's your stuff? What's the stuff that we look my at? Stuff like, my stuff is like, you know, Sirius Black was standing on a rock, you know. <laughs> and then Megan would come in and be like, you know, Sirius Black shook his long hair out of his eyes <laughs> so and turned to face the wind on the wild crag on which he stood. I don't know. So if, we, like so if we look at like your original, you know, draft of this, it's basically going to be, there was a boy named Harry. He was very sad. He didn't like to talk to people. Uh, so, Jenya, first of all, I just wanted to uh, thank you for 
uh, not accusing us of stalking you all these weeks and for sending in <laughs> voicemails and contributing and telling me to go bite myself. That was <clears throat> That's fine. I've, I've really been enjoying listening to all the podcasts and it's like a walk down memory lane. Okay, I'm reading her thing from before. I think the running joke should be that I haven't read the chapters and I actually know the least about the story. Well, we had Melinda Leo <laughs> on last week. Um, we grabbed her at the last second and we, and we had her on the podcast. And, you know, we're, we're getting to know her because we're doing her stuff next. And then right before we started talking about the story, I'm like, just out of curiosity, you like after the end, right? She's like, yeah. I'm like, oh, that would have been terrible if, if, you, if you didn't. So I'm glad I asked that. <laughs> it would have been kind of fun if you got <laughs> someone who didn't like it, actually. <laughs> yeah, like, I really hate this part. Like, I don't know. So. I don't know. I think in all my searching on the web, I found one person who said that they didn't like it very much, and everybody uh, else, I've, everybody else I've seen has said it's it was it was, for a lot of people it was the story that actually brought them into fanfic, was or at least the, Harry Potter fanfic. Was it the guy who shot Reagan that didn't like it, or was it? Like, <laughs> I, I don't. I don't know. I just I remember when I was doing one of my web searches, I came across somebody who had uh, left it on a blog somewhere that uh, they didn't. I don't I even remember really what he said, but he just said it. It wasn't one of his favorites, so. Well, I know what cracks But me that up. was it. On the on the stats for the website, you can look up. You know, if people go to Google or Yahoo or whatever, what they search for to find you. And yeah. usually, it's like after the end, Genya. It's after the end. You know, Draco after the end, whatever. Do you know how many people? Like, there were people that found us by googling after the end boobs. <laughs> I don't know even what? how they found us, but I'm just like, okay, well. <laughs> that's great. After the end, I, I, boobs. After the end, boob. I'm looking and I and I I call my girlfriend. I'm like, people are trying to find porn and they're finding the podcast. This is not right. Like this is kind of. But why are? They, yeah, that's so weird. Maybe they're looking for like those outtakes that we had, yeah. or something like that. Do you remember using the word boobs and like? No, I don't think we ever used the word a, boobs. Serious was standing on the rock looking at boobs. Was that? Like yeah, exactly. <laughs> Scratching his boobs. I don't know. Well, I you know if you want to if you want to know people who don't like the story, I can give you names. <laughs> you got names. No, that's okay. <laughs> go to our go to our Yahoo group and look at like the first five hundred messages, and you will see um, pretty much everybody who didn't like this story. Well, was that like you know what? That's pro- I'm sorry. Was that like was- chapter two, like in the beginning, like as you were writing it, or was that? Um, it you know, it, I think because at the time that we wrote it, it was before. You know, this is back when you know people were still well. You know all the Harry Hermione shipper people mm-hmm. were out there and all this stuff. And um, people were really, I mean, they attacked everything that we wrote. Like the first couple chapters, I mean, there are all these posts about, you know, Sirius and, and you know, he's, I don't know, his his post-traumatic stress disorder. And, you know, you guys are talking about erectile dys- dysfunction. Well, we had Sirius with post-traumatic stress disorder and how we weren't portraying that accurately and, uh, you know, I don't know, and whole long posts about trench warfare and, um, you know, how inaccurate our depiction of trench warfare was for. Was I don't there know. even trench warfare in the story? There like, was. <laughs> oh, I like mean, the I... second chapter. Was it? Oh yeah, because was was that what I was joking that like Bill tripped over Charlie in a shrub or something like that? Yeah. Okay. Well, he tripped. You guys made fun of it too. I mean, it is kind of funny. I know, but actually, it, but well, it's it's funny, but I'm not gonna like carpet bomb your house. <laughs> it's like well, that was you sent Voldemort to the end of the world. I found that amusing. I mean, oh my god. I mean, you know, I yeah. It was a total wake up call for me because I because Meg and I met in the um, Jane Austen fandom. Yeah, 
you know, and so where everybody is very polite. I mean, there's stuff going on there too, I'm sure. I never got into it super deep, but, you know, but it was much more like, oh, hello, how are you doing? Do you mind if I make this post? Da, 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 da. That's a very interesting theory that you opposed, you know, and then you get into the <laughs> Harry Potter fandom and it's just like, ah! I come from oh. the Star Trek fandom. Yeah. <laughs> So are they more nuts than Harry Potter? They are obsessed with ca- with canon and continuity. Okay. Um, they're half of them, you know, want to know what deck the warp core is on and why they moved it from the previous movie, and they can't put it there because that's where the air conditioner ducts are. <laughs> and the other half, you know, are just regular people going do this TV show, it's like yeah, whatever. So. It was actually funny. I posted on a Star Trek forum a couple of weeks ago, and someone sent me a frantic PM telling me I needed to go. I had posted something, and then I went back and like added like a title to the post. And if I didn't go back and explain in the post why I modified the post, they were going to delete my account. Oh my god! Well, somewhere on the sugar quill, I can't remember exactly where is my is like the text of my first post on the Harry Potter for grownups list, which is, it's such like a naive. It's totally like a Jane Austen post, you know. It's like, "Hello, my name is Jenya, and I've been reading all these these posts with great interest. And I think blah 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 blah. And I think Ron and Hermione are going to end up together. And I think, you know, J.K. Rowling is going this way. Blah 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 blah. What does everybody else think? You know, I mean, it was all like, you know, exclamation points and happiness. And you know, I think then like in the next twenty posts, we're like, you know, how could you think that, you stupid idiot? That's so transparent. <laughs> blah 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 blah. <laughs> You know, and I was just like, whoa, okay, okay. Well, hopefully Parfait um, Weekly will, you know, drive down the middle a little bit because, I don't know. Everybody seems very nice on your forums. That's the thing. I have to say. They're if, they're, to be- if they're not, we'll moon them until they leave. <laughs> awesome. Now, Phil, you you were there in the beginning. We were talking about this a little bit last week. You were reading this as it was being written, and you were part of that whole craze when it came out. Now, I came along, you know, years Later, I read this uh, probably the November after Half Blood Prince came out, November of 2005. So I completely missed like an entire like golden age in the fandom. So yeah, it was uh, it was uh, amazingly fun, but at the same time, it was nerve wracking a lot because Genya, uh, uh, we were saying uh, in, in the podcast uh, last week that uh, you and Arabella both are masterful at finishing a chapter and making the reader really want to read the next chapter desperately. And as you know, there were times when there was a month and a half or two months in between those chapters and we'd all be standing, standing there going, come on, come on. (laughs) And I remember, I remember specifically uh, chapter 42 being one of those chapters that um, when we get to the end of chapter 41, there's that last line and you get to that and you go, Oh, Oh no, come on, come on. (laughs) And, And then you had to wait but uh, boy, did you make it worth it when that when that uh, when that forty second chapter came out? <laughs> well, thanks. I know that we were we were like dying. We were pushing so hard to finish this story before um, Order of the Phoenix came out, and I don't. We might have released like the last chapter the day the book came out or something. Yeah, you I mean, did. You you released the <laughs> epilogue. I remember because uh, I remember being. More excited, really, I think, to get to that epilogue than I was to get to the next book. And I remember when you uh, when you posted it, the the message that you put, uh, the author's note was 
something to the effect of canon is coming out tonight. What are you doing reading this? <laughs> and uh, for, the, for those of us who had come the whole journey, we, I, I really, and I think uh, I would like to thank you definitely for, for releasing all of it prior to order of the Phoenix coming out, because I don't know that I could have gone into order of the Phoenix until I really was finished with after the end. And so the epilogue, came out yeah the, literally that night i think i think i got it at about 9 p.m um, <laughs> the, the the night before order of the phoenix came out and so i just read it and 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 then of course i went straight over is almost immediately after i finished reading it to get the next book but it was yeah it was great we you, you did manage to get that entire story uh which i think we figured out during the writing of it did we figure out that it's about as long as war and peace Oh God! It's about, it's about as many words, I think, as War and Peace. I think somebody did a word count on it and compared it to the word count of War and Peace, and realized that they're roughly the same length, which uh, was an enormous commitment on your part, oh, uh, yours and Arabella's. And uh, uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have left out a word. So I, I loved it. Well, thank you. By the way, this this will be the point in the podcast where I'm going to apologize to anyone listening for me sounding like a gushing idiot for the next three hours. Well, that's okay, uh, just... Phil. That's all right, because in the first episode, we determined that I was a fanboy, didn't we? You totally were. <laughs> well, let's see before I got to know you. Then around the time you told me to go bite myself, I'm like, you know what? She's real people. I can do <laughs> well, it's yeah, We're because... not stalkers, really. <laughs> well, it's really weird, too, because it's like when you come into the fandom, it's like like I missed, the, the like I said, the entire golden age of the fandom. So when I really came into this, it was, you know, everything was so anonymous, and I really didn't get the politics of the fandom and, you know, like the, the like the rising stars and who the players were. Like, it never occurred to me that, you know, I'm, de- I'm talking to, like, real people who pay taxes and drive and get speeding <laughs> tickets and stuff. Like, it, it, it was just so weird for me to come to that realization. And there was a around the time you told me to go bite myself so <laughs> well now and now you could you have your own community this is i mean true. i think you know your forums are i mean th- this is almost exactly like what happened with the sugar quill so watch out because you're going to get way bigger and then oh, you're going to long for the old days um if i were you i would cap your membership at 150 people and just block everybody else out but i went in the forums tonight and i guess um a lot, you know like all the bots that go to your forum like the google, google yeah i went on there tonight and like up until tonight the most people we've ever had on at one time is like i think like nine people i went on tonight and there were 29 people on tonight 829 i'm like oh my god everyone's <laughs> online at once what happened and it was freaking google bots so that's kind of amazing yeah well it's the beginning this is true it's the beginning on the plus side we can get discount viagra now Yes. Yes, we can. <laughs> yeah, I think um, Viagra's been reviewing a couple of stories at the Sugar Quill. Yeah, yeah. And on, <laughs> uh, well, the I still, I still, every once in a while, I still go back to the Yahoo group just to see, you know, if there's. Yeah. The, and for for a while there, for a couple of years after the story was finished, there were a few of us that would still go on there and would still post a few things. And there would every once in a while, somebody would come in and say, "Oh, I'm just I'm new to this story. I just picked it up." And you know, those of us who had read it already would would uh, respond but mostly now it's just a bunch of spam that ends up on those things so uh, well, that was the as a matter of fact yeah that's how we found phil because i posted yeah. on the after the end group that you know we were going to start the podcast and do after the end first and it was i got my message then i got porn 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 <laughs> email from a guy named phil saying check out this podcast you know they're, they're doing after the end porn 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 and then i got an email yeah. then like when phil contacted us later i'm like were you the guy between the porn the porn and the porn <laughs> Well, and I had I had completely missed your original uh, post because by the time you had posted it, 
it was, yeah, Ryan posting about a new podcast, porn, 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 porn. So I never saw it. So I went on to the, to the Yahoo group because I, I discovered the podcast somewhat uh, serendipitously. Um, he Googled and after I, the I, boobs and then found us. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, uh, and then uh, after finding it, I got so excited. I went back to the Yahoo group thinking I'm the only guy that ever goes here anymore and posts anything and posted pretty much this exact same message that Ryan did saying, Hey, there's this place called Potterfic weekly and they're doing these great podcasts. And, and, you know, thinking I was, I was letting the masses know. I didn't realize Ryan had already told everybody. <laughs> You were letting me know that someone was listening, and that was helpful. Oh, there you go. I know Lady Chi said this before. She referred to the whole thing as like a three-act play, and we've talked mm-hmm. about this. You had no idea that it was going to be – did you have any idea it would be this big just size-wise, like 40-something chapters when you started, or did you just think that this was going to be – We had no idea at all. It cracked. I was laughing so hard when Lady Chi was talking about the three-act play and Shakespearean drama, or you know, whatever. No offense, Lady Chi, but but um, the English lit is very fresh in her head. Um, I mean, you know, we just started writing it, and I think I mentioned to you, Ryan, at some point. I mean, initially, Meg and I were like, let's just write. I mean, it was all ro- like all the romance stuff mm-hmm. has been there pretty much from the beginning. And in multiple versions, and it wasn't until our friend Jedi Bodichia came in and was like, "Look, you guys have to have plot in here somewhere, you know? Like you, you have to have something else happen besides everybody like having fights and making up and all this romance crap." So we were like, "Oh my God! Well, what what should our plot be?" And you know, she's the one who sort of came up with the, you know, maybe you should have some dragons, or maybe you should have some dementors, or you know, I mean, she really sort of led us through coming up with the idea for a plot and then that's you know i think we just didn't know how the hell to write a plot you know <laughs> well like let me ask you this Breaking out for 42 chapters let me ask you this because right now we're talking about the the end this is you've, you've had all these characters and like we've talked about before you know one week this awful thing happens the next week this awful thing happens and there's lulls but it's like everything's always happening over and over to these guys this is pretty much the end of it. This is when you, you know, cap off, you know, Kenny's are uh, Kenny. You killed Kenny. This is when you. <laughs> <laughs> Who the hell's Kenny? All right. This is when you uh, capped off Penny's arc, you know, with Leo and, you know, you really brought Ginny and Ron, you know, to a head. And this is when, you know, all the plot lines, you know, just started coming together. When you first started writing this, like, obviously, you know, in the beginning, you, you had just the romance and not really the plot. But did you really have any idea? You know, when you started, how you wanted it to end, or was it more of a? And, and people are going to be listening to this, you know, cringing because I'm not a writer. But you know, did you know where you wanted the characters to end up, or was it more like let's write and just see what happens? No, I think we knew where we wanted the characters to end up. I mean, that we knew. I mean, maybe not the specifics of, you know, the sort of plot things that make them get there, mm-hmm. but I think we had an idea in our head. Um, about where we wanted the story to end up and how we wanted at least the relationships to be and, you know, sort of where we wanted people to be in their lives. Maybe not specifically, but um, definitely in a sort of broad way. And I think a lot of those last chapters had been written for a while. Okay. You know, I mean, you know, and certainly at no point ever do I compare myself to J.K. Rowling. But she always... Oh, it's okay. I'll do it for you. Go ahead. No, no, no. No, 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 no. Um, Meg, maybe... Um, actually make a lot in a lot of ways, but not me, because um, I don't like to write details. So, um, but you know, she's always said she had the last 
chapter of the Harry Potter books written, you know, and sealed in the vault from the beginning. Mm-hmm. And I always used to think, like, you know, well, how did, how does she know what's going to happen, you know? And um, But I think a lot of time, at least with me, what's happened as I write is that I do tend to have an ending, you know, in my head worked out in some way. And it's just a matter of getting there in some way. So... Um, you know, if you're gonna if you're gonna compare after the end to any sort of literature, I mean, it's sort of like it's more like Dickens. You know, it's like a serial thing, and we just kept we just kept writing it and writing it and writing it, and you know, there was no publisher telling us that we had to stop. Yeah. And uh, so like these podcasts, <laughs> they get longer and longer and longer, and there's yeah. no one to shout at me stop talking. Yeah. So. No, I mean, God, I mean, if if you let me at this story with like a red pencil now, I mean, it would be like 300 pages. You know, well, don't you do. <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> but you know, when you're posting something on the internet, and you know, people seem to like reading it, and you know, it's not costing you anything except your time, and it's a good outlet for you know whatever creativity you're trying to let out. I mean, stories can go on for as long as you want them to go on. I can at least identify with what you're saying as far as posting things on the internet. I have never written anything uh, uh, anywhere near the scale of this, but. Uh, I wrote like two incredibly short outtakes for this story. Um, and even those I've gone back and read and gone, Oh man, that's, this is crap. You know, I, I, so I can at least identify with what you're saying about the red pencil, uh, you know, going back and thinking, uh, Oh, you know what? That's really not what I wanted to say there and, and things like that. But no, I think, I think your story has gotten out there and touched a lot of people, uh, very deeply. And, um, I'm going to keep mine pen, red pencil free. I think. <laughs> well, it's inspired so much of it too, for because you know someone like me who who came into the fandom and, and you know after the end is completed, it's on the shelf, and I get to read it, you know, beginning to end without any interruption. You know, I put it down, and then I looked at other fanfic, and a lot of it's similar, and a lot of it has you know similar strokes. Like for example, I've read many fics where you know, you know. Percy's dead, you know, Penny works for Arthur, Arthur's the minister, and Penny has a young child, you know, the, the last thing she has left to Percy. Like, I found that in a few fix. I found a few fix, you know, where Ginny mm-hmm. has some type of, um, you know, empathic abilities. So, and it seems like, you know, and I've heard at least a couple of people, you know, credit um, you guys with it. I know uh, Lavender Brown went that way, you know, a little bit. And it's weird for me because then I, I stop and think, you know, you guys were first, how much of, you know, the entire fandom did you influence? Well, yeah, I, I don't, it's hard to say. I mean, I'm sure little bits and pieces here and there, but you know, I mean, the other thing is, is that the fandom was around before we wrote this story. And there are a lot of things in this story that we took, that we stole from people, you know, <laughs> well, I mean, maybe you stole the whole thing. With the you know, and well, obviously we stole a lot from JK Rowling. Um, but, and I, I guess stole is the wrong word, but you know, certain things like, um, Lupin Lodge, you know, a lot of story. I mean, I, you know, I, not all, but a lot of stories, have Lupin having this house, you know, kind of in the country. I mean, like Lupin Lodge, basically, yeah. you know, and he's inherited it from his parents. And, you know, somehow Lupin, in a way, it almost doesn't make sense because he's so dirt poor. You know, how is he maintaining this house? I mean, think about it. You know, chances are he doesn't actually have a house in the country. Um, you know, although where he was when, you know, Sirius was supposed to go low, lie at Lupin's, I don't know where that was. But, you know, anyway, but that came from a story by an author called Thing One, um, 
who wrote this whole series of wonderful stories about Remus Lupin, and these were, um, I guess, yeah, they were all post-Goblet of Fire story, like in between Goblet of Fire and Order of Phoenix. And she had a Lupin Lodge. And when we started writing this story, we were like, where should Lupin live? Where should this take place? And I was like, let's have it take place in Lupin Lodge. And, um, you know, I mean, we wrote to her and said, we're going to use this in our story. Is that okay? And she said, sure, whatever. You know, so there's a lot of things like that in this story that we took from other people, you know, who are probably long forgotten in some ways. I mean, a lot of these people are archived at the Sugar Quill, but you know, I don't know how often people go back and read stories that, you know, were written so long ago, relatively speaking, in the fandom timeline. But we definitely stole a lot. And some stuff is just, um, you guys are just letting me babble on. Uh, <laughs> people don't tune in to hear us, I have to tell you the truth. Yeah. <laughs> so, some, you know, I mean, so, some of the stuff is just circumstantial, and it just is, I think it's because we're writing in this Harry Potter universe. I mean, there's only an infinite number of guesses. Well, I mean, maybe there is, you know, maybe there's unlimited numbers of guesses of what can happen to these characters. But I think, you know, if you read the books and if you understand the characters as you read them in the books and if you try to stay true to that, you're going to kind of reach at least some conclusions, you know, that are similar to other people. So here's so I don't know how much. I do have a question for you because this is something we were talking about last week. And since you, you know, helped to write After the End and you wrote a lot of it and this is essentially your universe, the, the After the End universe, where was Remus during the 13 years after Sirius... Like, in your mind, like, after Sirius went to Azkaban, there's that 13-year gap. You said, you know, you, you couldn't picture him having Lupin Lodge, but do you have any guesses? Where, like, in the After the End universe, where would you say... <laughs> I ask the questions uh, no one ever thinks uh, of and no one ever anticipates. I'm well-known for I'm only laughing because... <laughs> I think I told you at some point, you know, if, if anybody wants to know, at least in the After the End universe, what's going on with Remus and what's going on with Sirius, just read um, Lally Brock and Honey Church's story, The Unknown Want, to get what we were thinking in our heads at any rate um, about what was going on with Sirius and what was going on with Remus. And um, so where he was during those those 13 years, I, you know, I just don't know if I had any sort of cohesive idea of what he was doing. I mean, I really don't. I think in my head he was like he was like wandering the earth, moaning silently and suffering, you know, his werewolf pain, you know, that his dearest and closest friend was locked up in Azkaban and had betrayed him. I mean, I like I honestly don't think I've thought beyond that, at least in terms of a backstory for him in writing the story. Like that 13 years is just as much of a gap for me. Okay, well, that works. I mean, I, I didn't know if you saw him, like, at Lupin Lodge gardening. I didn't know if you saw, like... Yeah. I mean, you know, that's a really good question, and no one's ever asked me that. I, I Like, I really don't... I was Ooh, so I'm sort of preoccupied with, you know, what he was doing before then. And what he was know. wearing, you know, while he was Yeah, wearing. what he was wearing. What kind of hair he had. Yeah. You know, long hair, yeah. I thought. Um, you know, stuff like that. I Yeah, I don't know what I thought he was doing. I mean, I've read a lot of stories... Um, that are really good about what he was, you know, he's always off, you know, fighting dark creatures and, you know, dark wizards or, you know, I don't know. Um, I mean, he probably, I mean, I don't know what he was doing. I don't know. No idea. <laughs> You're like, I don't know. Stop asking me. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to think of what he was doing. I mean, well, see, because then I get all, I get all geeky and I get all canony. 
about the whole thing. You're on a I Harry mean, Potter fan fiction podcast, let loose. Well, I mean, what what the hell was he doing? Can I say hell? Yes. Okay. Um, <laughs> We've done uh, butt sex, boobs, and uh, a whole host of other things, so hell works. <laughs> um, so yeah, so hell, he was in hell. Um, I mean, when he was on the train on the Hogwarts Express, mm-hmm. he had a suitcase... It had his name on it in peeling letters, indicating that those letters had been there for a while. And they said Professor R.J. Lupin. Yeah. So where the heck was he teaching? That's he couldn't a get great, a job. That's a great point. A lot of people think that was a mistake in Azkaban, but, you know, and Joe does make mistakes every now and then, but, you know, that seems like a pretty uh, blatant mistake if that was one. Yeah, I mean, you know, and I don't know if we know his father's name. I mean, could his father have been a professor? I don't know. Da, da, da. You know, where did he learn to teach? He's obviously a good teacher, so maybe he was teaching somewhere, but where and what? I have no idea. Yeah, and you can almost imagine that maybe he was teaching, and then they found out he was a werewolf, and he had to move on and on and on, and he eventually came to Hogwarts. And Yeah, know. except that, like, where, like, was he, could he teach other wizards? There are no other wizard schools in England. This is where I start to get really geeky and really, like, like freaked out. Sort of like how many students are at Hogwarts question. Oh, yeah, it's like, between 300 and 10,000, right? Yeah, you know, <laughs> like suddenly, you know, like you never hear from anybody except I was listening to um, Order of the Phoenix in the car, and, you you know, you never hear from anyone except the Gryffindors during, like, their, I think it's their transfiguration class. Yeah. You know, it's like it's always just sort of implied that it's only them, but suddenly there are, like there's some mention of 30 people being in the class. Yeah, which would be, because, what is it, it's 10 people per year, so there should be 70 people in all of Gryffindor. Right, you know? Well, we talk about this a little bit in After the End, too, because (laughs) it's like everyone who runs the Wizarding World lives on the same street. And, you know, it's like Ron starts out as the intern, and now all of a sudden, a couple of chapters later, is the Attorney General, and he's deciding whether or not, like, I was, I love, I was reading the chapter tonight, and they're all in Arthur's office, and they're trying to decide, do we let Malfoy go or do we keep him in jail and just suffer the consequences and it's like okay you have the minister of magic you have serious black you've got the secretary privy you know on, on the and it's up to ron do we let him go or not i just i'm like <laughs> weren't you the bartender back in like chapter and like what like i just thought that was but it's like you know how few people but everyone always knows who the weasleys are everybody always knows who harry is and so that implies you know like a very small kind of you know tiny little community, which makes sense if there's only 300 wizards, you know, in, in, in Hogwarts, but then you go to the Wizard World Cup and there's like 15,000 people there, so it's kind of like, what? Yeah, yeah, exactly, you know, and where are all these wizards on the Wizengamot coming from? Mm-hmm. I forget how many are supposed to be sitting there in that, you know, big Wizengamot room, you know, and obviously, I mean, we joke about, I mean, I think it's hilarious now that you have pointed it out about, you know, Ron making all these big legal decisions about whether or not people are going to be imprisoned, but, you know, like, as I'm listening to Order of the Phoenix, I mean, obviously, like, the Minister of Magic can just, you know, like, have fake trials and, you know, try to put, you know, a 14-year-old kid away in jail for casting a Patronus yeah. illegally on his school break. I mean, what the hell is that? Yeah, like, could you imagine if, it's like... It's messed up. Could you imagine if you had a speeding ticket and you went to court and, like, George Bush was the judge? Like, it's like, what? You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I love so the I- scene that you put in when uh, Ron goes to... Uh, he goes to court with Sirius for the day because he has his trial coming up and he just wants to get comfortable with the setting. And you have the trial star, and I can't remember um, 
the woman's name, you had the prosecutor actually on the witness stand and she was accused of helping the death eaters when really it was her supervisor. Oh, yeah. And I love the part where you have, you know, Arthur run in with the ceremonial garb on, you know, here, the Minister of Magic, and he kind of opens the proceedings and then ducks out. I'm just like, he must really have a lot to do if he's, like, doing, like, essentially, like, you know, like, it's one step above, like, a ribbon-cutting ceremony. It's like... Yeah. (laughs) You know? I know, that cracked me up. I I thought that was great. But yeah, it's one of those things where... And I'll say this, I don't think Joe knows. I don't think Joe really cares. No, I don't think she does either, you know. And I can certainly... I mean, I I have to say, it takes a lot of balls to have done the Harry Potter series the way that she did it. Do you know what I mean? Like, publish a book, write the next book, publish it, and so on, and have this seven-part series that you know is going to be seven parts, but you don't have it all written and release it. I mean, you know, when you're writing fan fiction, you don't know how many times I've gone back and changed things in after the end. Yeah. You know, I see a typo, I fix it. I mean, it was it was all my willpower not to go back and change um cuz a couple places we refer to Ginny as Virginia, yeah. which was kind right. of the common belief before it was revealed that her name was Ginevra, and I almost started to change it cuz it was bugging me that it, we had it wrong. You know, but then the archivist in me cuz that is what I do for a living was like, "No, no, no. This is tampering with the original document." And, you know, this is just going to confuse people more because then they're going to look at all the other weird stuff like Sirius being alive. Um, you know. <laughs> You're going to go back to chapter one and unfortunately Sirius yeah, was killed to- in the fire. And just- <laughs> well, no, it is. I, I read it, one of the first fics I ever read. Um, I didn't realize this. It was by um, an author, um, Switch and Flick. And it, it was called The Silent Siege and there was a sequel to it. And The Silent Siege was written uh, pre-Order of the Phoenix. And then after Order of the Phoenix... You know, they actually went back and they actually took Sirius out. Sirius played a huge role in the oh original song. And they went back and they edited, and they edited you know, Sirius completely out of the story. So I read the edited version. I read the, you know, the post-Order of the Phoenix version. And there was one mention of Sirius that was left in by accident. There was, you know, there was the battle at the end. And all of a sudden, you know, Dumbledore is fighting with Sirius by his side. And I was like, huh? <laughs> like it's, it's like you, you, you can't do that. Like I can understand, like if you spelled, you know, Weasley wrong, or like you know, if Joe says that Ron was in, you know, the the Forbidden Forest twice and she met once, or you know, if the wrong person comes out of the wand. I mean, right? That's something you go back and you fix, but you don't change the story. Like I've read stories I've really liked where the author stopped halfway through to say, okay, now that this book is out, we have to go back and you know rework Jenny because she's a little bit too this or that, and, you know, she's not canon Ginny anymore, so we need to fix that. Well, why are you writing fan fiction? Did you hear what Ryan and I were talking about uh, while you were muted about, uh, did, you probably didn't expect to have two guys be the ones to uh, to conduct this uh, this interview by the time it came along. No, that, well, if I remember correctly, from, from the Yahoo group especially, I remember there were not a lot of us men folks uh, that it, were super involved. There weren't a lot of men, and the, I mean, actually I think it's great, um, you know, like where were you guys? I don't know. Wh- I don't know what the proportion is of men to women in the in sort of like the Harry Potter fan fiction world oh, it's or whatever. A, it's got to be like a ten to one ratio. I mean, and that's being generous. It's probably. Yeah. I mean, I was. I was. Uh, it was funny because when I first came to um, Potterfic Weekly, I joined the forums, and uh, it was Ryan was on there and another guy named Mac, and. Uh, I remember saying, wow, it's, it's, I'm surprised that there's so many guys on this. There's so many men. And Max said, there, 
two of us, Phil. And I said, yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah. That's amazing. There are two guys on this. We have to be really intense, so there's three of us, but we're louder than, like, all these other people. So we start podcasts, and we print the books and take them to the Philippines with us. <laughs> well, when the, when the Sugar Quill started, there were – who was Dr. Cornelius the first guy? Like, the first guy to register for the Sugar Quill was this guy, Dr. Cornelius. And – um it, like everybody, I mean, it was amazing. Like everybody was just like, "Oh my God, it's a boy! Oh my gosh, it's amazing! What are you doing here? You know, oh strange creature from the beyond! How, are you lost? how did you find our our space here? Yeah, I mean, it was it was really weird. And then you know, we got like a couple other guys. Um, but I think yeah, I think the um, the percentage is pretty low. And there was actually a um, there was kind of a contra- not a controversy. There was a, a period in this in Sugar Quill history where, you know, the few guys who, relatively few guys in proportion to the women, formed this um, group, and it was something like Men in Sugar Quill, Men in Sugar Quill Anonymous, or something like that. They had their own thread, and um, you know that was their place to bond. And well, we do that too. Uh, we have uh, the ladies' parlor, and we have the snouts fair actually for yep. you know, for the guys. And there was one night Mac and I were posting in the snouts fair, and we're looking over, and I can see the, I, was, I can see like who's in there, and I can see like the you know like the number of posts and stuff. And I'm just like, I wonder what they're doing in there. They could be plotting to like blow up the world for all I know. It's, <laughs> it's like this is kind of scary. They're having way too much fun in there. <laughs> now, do you ever? Because you're the administrator, Ryan. Do you ever go in? Do you ever go in there and see what is actually going on? In there? I actually do not peek. So, for all I know, they are actually preparing to, you know, bomb places, and I would have absolutely no idea. But it was really funny because um, on the forum, it it, it it like flashes in blue if there's a new message. And what I would actually do is I would like go into the ladies' parlor and then just like get out and then hit refresh, so it would think I read the messages. And someone <laughs> hit you know find members, and it said I was in the ladies' parlor because they. Hit that one. <laughs> And I got all these, get out, get out. I'm like, I'm, I'm like, I promise I'm not looking. So it's kind of funny. I will say in all honesty, though, that uh, uh, chapter 42 was, um, I think there are other chapters that I I liked more in terms of, you know, my emotional reaction to them. But my God, the 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 visualizations that, that you two created in, in that chapter uh, with the destruction of the Dementors and everything. I've, I've never been able to picture something in my mind as well as I was able to picture what was going on in that chapter. It was just, it blew me away the first time I read it. I just, I remember getting to the end of that chapter and going, wow, how did they do that? <laughs> it, just, it, 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 it humbled me tremendously. Awesome. Awesome. Well, the way that worked is that I wrote something like, um, um, and then Azkaban blew up. And then Meg came in and, and wrote, you know, said, you know, we probably have to say a little bit more than that. And I was like, oh, damn. Okay. You and you it. said, boom. Ask <laughs> boom. So exactly. let me ask you this. As I've been saying all these weeks, you know, I love the very simple, you know, declarative sentences that I think make this fix so amazing. That's actually you and then everything else is Meg. <laughs> probably. That's the stuff she never got a chance to, you know. <laughs> I mean, I, yeah, I really don't, I don't remember I remember some things that I wrote. I think I wrote a large, not a large portion. I think I did, like there are certain chapters that I remember specifically that I wrote a lot of. But like a lot of them, I really, I don't know who wrote what and who edited what and so on. Because, I, you know, when you do write, a lot of times at least I go into sort of a trance. I'm amazed that I'm able to write anything. Any of the fan fiction that I wrote, I don't like really have a recollection of writing it be honest you know it's almost like it just sort of came out of my 
fingers and there it is. And it was some sort of, you know, spiritual experience that I was able to write this piece of Harry Potter fan fiction. Um, but yeah, so I don't really have a strong memory. And I'm even, I'm looking at these chapters now and I'm like, I don't know. Meg, Meg remembers more. I mean, she'd, you know, cause I like, sometimes I'd be reading something and I'd be like, Oh, I like what you did there. And she'd be like, Jenny, you wrote that. I'm like, no, I didn't. Yes, she did. And I don't know if she's being nice or what, but, um, I have a really bad, bad memory for that. So. Well, let me ask you this, because, you know, we're talking about the end here. And one of the things I really like about the fic is that it doesn't seem like a typical fan fiction in the way it ends. You know, most fan fictions end with, you know, that you have the last, you know, cataclysmic event, you have the final battle, or you have, you know, just the, just the huge conclusion. And, you know, usually the bad guy will die. And then you, usually if you're at Hogwarts, you just have the train ride home and you kind of don't know what's going to happen. Yet. But they almost, it, it, a lot of them are very artificial. They, they kind of like, your life never ends. It's like not all of your, you know, plot lines in your own life end, you know, at the end of a school year. Right. And what I like about the end of, after the end is that, you know, Draco's plot line is still relatively open-ended. You, you know, you're, you, you, you don't get, like, you know, like, the, the marriage proposal between Harry and Ginny. You don't get the Ron Hermione wedding. You don't have this huge sense of, you know, okay, we're done now. Time to leave. It kind of feels like there should be another chapter right after that, which I think is great. I think that's the way to go out. Now, was that something you, you think you had aimed for? Did it just kind of work out that way, or was that... I think, no, I think I think we sort of aimed for something like that. I, I can't stand... I always like it when the endings are sort of open-ended, you know? So that's the way I like to read stories because then, you know, it gives people, I don't know, I feel like it keeps people thinking about the story afterwards. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, I, I, I'm i not a big fan of, uh, I don't know. I wonder how this, you know, I wonder how the seventh Harry Potter book is going to end. You know, I, I kind of hope it doesn't end with like, you know, Harry kills Voldemort and then there's a big, you know, um, I don't know. You know, big, massive feast, and everybody drinks pumpkin juice and eats yeah. lots of cakes, and and the Ewoks you know, are happy, and yeah, <laughs> you know exactly. Yeah, and and you know it's funny because uh, all the way back to uh, the Yahoo group, and certainly um, it's been discussed on the podcast and on the forums here. People, there are a lot of people who are who are dying for a sequel. You know, a lot of people um, in in the list of questions to ask you. Uh, have put well. What about a sequel? Are they are they ever going to write another uh, you know, more chapters to this or another sequel or anything like that? And and I agree with you. I think it's it's kind of nice that we get to that end and we don't. There there are certain things that we don't get to see, and and that's okay because because it gives see it, to me it gives you the feeling that these characters will go on. Whereas you're right, if it comes to a definitive close, then you could think well they could all die in a bus crash tomorrow and. So what? Everything has happened that, that that needs to happen to them in their entire lives has happened now. And when you when you have a story like this that does leave several threads open, it allows people to kind of think, okay, these guys they're they're going to keep going. They're, things will continue happening to them throughout their lives, and it's it's a nice feeling to to think about that once the story has come to an end. So I was I was actually you know as much as I'd love to have read about Ron and Hermione's wedding or, or yeah, Harry proposing to Ginny or things like that. I, I I'm kind of glad that, that I didn't honestly. I'm glad, I'm glad to hear you say that because that is how I feel about stories. A lot of times, yeah. you know, I mean, it's just, 
Yeah, I mean, because who, I mean, no offense to people who write story. I mean, I, I don't want to sound like I'm putting stories down because I've read, I certainly am a sucker for, you know, reading things like, you know, the sort of fluff stories about things. But, you know, I mean, yeah, do, does people really want to read 42 chapters about how, like, Ron and Hermione get married and, you know, her entire pregnancy with her first child and, you know, and she had to go buy diapers and here's how wizards make diapers and I don't know. Okay, I just um, tell you I've actually read that fic and that's really <laughs> No, I'm serious. I read this it was the one I was reading when the podcast started and I put it down cuz I didn't have time because I was you know, reading after the end now, but it, it was literally like that. We were I was on like chapter 18 and I felt like it was, you know, Harry lay on the couch and watched a movie all day. Then Jenny came over and they had I'm like, "Are you kidding me?" <laughs> My life is more exciting than this. Like it's just like and that's saying something. Like but but people really I think I think they really do do that. I think there's there's this section of people who just want to see you know the everyday day in the life of a wizard, but you have to balance you know number one the storytelling with it. But I think after the end is so much stronger than a lot of fics out there because the character seems so real because life is open ended. You're never going to have a day where all your problems end, and then the next day you wake up and you have a whole new set of problems. Life doesn't work that way. Yeah. Going back to a comment uh, that you made earlier, Genia, um, you know, you said that you started kind of with the character-based stuff, and mm-hmm. the plot came in a little bit later on. And I think that's what makes this story so strong: is that it's it's a character-based story. And I think the strongest stories really delve into the character's own personal uh, demons, their their choices, the, the things that they they go through. And if you have a story that's strong enough in that regard. You, you don't necessarily need a tremendous amount of plot. And, and, and the plot that, that goes through the story is also quite good. But the stuff that I think really grabs people are, the, are those character moments, those moments where they are in between, you know, destroying Dementors and, and putting uh, uh, Draco in, in prison and things like that. Those, those moments in between are the ones that I think make the story what it is. So I, for one, I, I mean, I think, I think maybe you're right. Uh, if, if, it, if there had been no plot, it might, it might have been a little difficult <laughs> to sustain 43 chapters. But no, I, I think, and, and please correct me if you think I'm wrong. This is one of the questions I wanted to ask you is, did, and you sort of answered it already, but did you start with the characterizations and then let the plot form from that? Or did you, in, in certain times, start with, this is what we want to have happen and then realize what the characters would do internally and, and outwardly once it did happen. Could you repeat the question, please? Sure. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I went to yoga tonight. I'm not in the mood for this. <laughs> My question is, uh, when, you, when, you, when you wrote this story, did you start from a character perspective? Meaning, did you start by saying, these are the things we want the characters to to go through internally and then add the plot in later? Or did you start sometimes with the plot, meaning, you know, the action that takes place in the story and then write organically the natural reactions that these characters would have to those, to those events? Or did we lose her again? Uh, either that or she jumped. <laughs> <laughs> okay, great. I've sent Jenya screaming from the building. Oh God. Oh, I'm so sorry. It was not confusing, Phil. (laughs) But yes, characters, characters, characters. (laughs) And, you know, it's funny you ask that question because I was thinking about this a lot today. I don't know if either of you guys have seen. There's a website 
um, that uh, my friend Mo actually sent to me yesterday. And it's this guy, his name is Mike Smith, and his he read Half-Blood Prince without reading the other Harry Potter books. Like, he just read Half-Blood Prince, and then he made a whole website um, with his plot summaries of Half-Blood Prince. And he's kind of sarcastic, and, you know, he's kind of like, he's not a big Harry Potter fan, you know, and his whole argument is that, you know, he thinks the books are stupid, and, you know, he's pointing out all the stupid stuff in them. But it, it's actually a hilarious website, you know. And one of the things he says up front is that Harry Potter fans have a great sense of humor, which I think is true. And there's this one part in his summary that made me laugh hysterically, and I do have a point to the story, but you can cut it out, Ryan, if it's really long and rambling. You can but, read the um, phone book and we're going to keep it in, but Karen... Okay. <laughs> well, there's the scene in Half-Blood Prince where they're all at the burrow. Um, it's it's at the beginning, and the owls come to bring them their, you know, their school letters or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, or, no, to bring them their, their uh, results, their exam results. So this guy writes on his website, he writes, so then the owls come bearing the damn report cards. This leads to one of the stupidest exchanges I've ever read. Um, and you know, and then he highlights this, this actual exchange from Half-Blood Prince. And it's, Ron says, they're definitely owls. And Harry says, and there are three of them. And Hermione says, one for each of us. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I'm thinking to myself, you know. Getting yeah, a copy you, of Half-Blood Prince out, <laughs> When you isolate it like that. And I mean, I was reading this guy's website and cracking up, but I realized, and I was listening to Order of the Phoenix in the car, and, you know, trying to, this morning after I read all that, trying to pay attention to, like, the dialogue and stuff. And it is true. I mean, these books... I mean, I hate to, probably J.K. Rowling could have an editor who was a little bit heavier with the red ink also. But, you know, it's also those little touches that I think are what make the Harry Potter books so engaging is, A, the characters. I mean, you need those little things to make the characters stand out. Do you know what I mean? I mean, I don't know how many times yeah. Order of the Phoenix, just in like the 45 minutes I listened to on my way home, to, you know, Ron is either like, you know, staring at Harry with his mouth open in surprise or, you know, making some dumb comment to Harry or, you know, it's, you know, I, I don't know, throwing things or what, you know, just little things that really, you know, as a reader, you don't really need to hear about those things. But at the same time, hearing about them really fleshes out that character. So, you know, and because I like stories that are character driven, you know, I like all these little touches you know, yes, it's a stupid, yes, the, that owl dialogue is hilarious when you pull it out like that and it does look stupid. Um, you know? One for each of I would have loved it if they were, like, watching the owls come and then all of a sudden they're like, get down! And the owl, like, flew right out their heads. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's the fun. One for each of us. Like, <laughs> that's not all going to be solid gold. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> She's got a lot of books she has to write. But that is like, you know, but that's total natural dialogue. I mean, that's how people talk to each other. That right. you know, people people are stupid when they talk. Yeah. I mean, this conversation is going to have a lot of stupid stuff in it that we're having tonight. You know, I mean, how often do you say redundant? You know, how often do you say to people, "Good morning, how you doing?" Oh, I'm a little cold. It's a little cold outside. I mean, you know. <laughs> can I just tell you? I always make it my goal in life to when people ask me how I am to answer them very bluntly and see if I can scare them. Because <laughs> they don't care. Yeah, I love it when people do that. <laughs> How you doing? Well, oh, my stomach's killing me today. And- <laughs> I went right for the stomach, also. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, that's the thing too. It's like, and 
I was thinking about this tonight. I was reading. Um, I was actually in my car this morning. I actually convert. I've said this to everyone. I'll just say it to you too. I convert. Uh, you know the stories to mp3 files and i listened to them on my ipod and i was listening to um chapter 41 this morning it's when Ginny goes to ron to ask if um he will allow her you know since he's the attorney general will you allow him to go and see uh you know draco and try and hammer out a deal and they just they're they're right in each other's faces and they're screaming and they're just being hurtful and you know harry's sitting there like they're, they're about to punch each other out you know i know they're going to punch each other out whose side am i on you know what do i do you know do i go for ron do i go for jenny and i love the part where he's even like i don't get families it's like they hate each other but then they hug right after and then they just get over like i don't get that but and i was thinking to myself i'm like this has to be like the third fight these two have had in the story so far and you know she's had different fights with Charlie, and you know Bill's been in fight. It's like everyone's fighting everybody else, and that's so natural because like in some of the other stories you see, you know these two people have a fight and they get past it, and then now that we're past it, you know oh now the characters have grown and we've moved on from that. Like yeah, I get, right. I get fights <laughs> with my mother every single day. Yeah, right. I mean you know you got to. I mean I don't know. Do you do either of you have siblings? I am. No I child. have three. You have three. Okay, so, and Ryan is an only child, but he does fight with his mom, so he can sort of understand. I mean, you know, I love, I have two sisters, and I I can't believe I'm saying this in public. Well, they probably know I've said this to their faces. I love them dearly, but, you know, especially as a child, I never wanted to hurt anybody more than I think I wanted to hurt my sisters on certain occasions. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? I I, I mean, it it just, (laughs) I used to delight. The the worst. Yeah, I used to delight in torturing my younger brother. I mean, I would just – what I would do is I never hit him, but I would drive him to the point of insanity where he would hit me, and then oh. I would try to get him in trouble, you know, just because it was it was like a little sport for me, you know. And, and that's – that's a, I, I grow I, – you know, we've both grown up now, and, and uh, I've never gone to him and said, hey, you know all that stuff I did? Sorry about that. But, I mean, there's just there, – you're right. There's an understanding there, and, and that's what I, I liked about uh, Ron and, and Ginny – really going at it and really, you know, to the point where Harry thought they were going to start punching each other. And, and then, you know, a little bit, even later in that same chapter, everything was fine. You know, I mean, it was, it, things had calmed down and everything was okay. And Harry marveling at that, uh, you know, being in a lot of ways, an only child, uh, uh, was, was very accurate. I think. I just have to tell you when I was, you know, reading about Harry's perspective and what does he do? Does he, you know, help Ginny? Does he help Ron? Um, I read this thing uh, a few years ago where, in, uh, when Bill Clinton was president, and like I think it was the first few months of his presidency, he and Hillary got into this huge fight in the residence of the White House, and she actually grabbed a lamp and was like attacking him with the lamp. And there was a Secret Service agent in the room, and the Secret Service agent's like, "What do I do? Do I shoot the first lady? Like she's attacking the like, anyone else? I would shoot them. Like what do I do?" And it was this entire like all I could think of is I'm like, "Does he go after Ginny? Because if he goes after Ginny, Ron's going to get pissed. If he goes after Ron, Ginny's never going to kiss him again. So maybe." Yeah. So I, I thought that was all I could picture was Hillary Clinton attacking Bill Clinton with like a turquoise lamp. So thanks. I just had this mental image of a Secret Service agent in slow motion diving in front of a flying lamp. Well, what, I think what he actually did was I think he actually took the lamp. Yeah, there you go. Just took the lamp out of her hand. <laughs> no, oh. he, no, he like got he like took the lamp. Like I think she hit him with the lamp. <laughs> God. Well, my sister has made me throw things. Usually on the usually over the telephone. Yeah, I mean, like so she doesn't actually suffer at all. But I've thrown mugs. I threw a beer bottle once. I can beat know. that. A few weeks ago, my mother was frustrating me so much. I I I took my TiVo remote and I hucked it across the room as as you know, hard as I could and it broke. 
and I felt so much better. But now when I, it's thirty bucks, and I'm the cheapest man alive to get a new <laughs> one. And like the, the the down button doesn't work. You can't rewind anymore. But if you like go forward enough, you start over again. So like like I'm sitting here with like the thing like masking taped back together, and it's taking me eight times as long to watch a TV show. But you're having to suffer the consequences I am. of your rage. <laughs> and my mother was, my mother looks at it. She's like, "What happened?" I'm like, "You made me do it." <laughs> That'll learn you. <laughs> exactly. I guess my question for you is this. You know, Joe has said the characters are going to get reprieves and characters are going to get, you know, killed off that otherwise would have lived. And you said you, you knew around what you wanted to do with the characters. Did anyone surprise you? Did anyone, like, over the course of the story, you knew how they were going to end up? And at the last minute, you guys were like, you know what, let's let's do this instead of that. And after the end? Yeah. Um. Um. I don't remember. <laughs> were you ever going to kill Remus off in the beginning, but then decided that you know that was kind of stupid because I thought you were going to do that? Um, I don't know that we had plans to. I think, God, this is so embarrassing. I mean, I think we thought about killing Draco. Um, he doesn't die, right? Yeah. yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> I think we. That was the funeral scene, and I have like. <laughs> yeah, I think, but I think we did think about killing Draco, and then we decided not to do it. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, that's one thing. And um, well, that actually brings up a, a question for me when you're talking about Draco, because we've we've had a lot of different opinions about Draco uh, on on the forum and on the podcast. And there are there are the people who are in the shoot first and ask questions later Draco camp, and then there are people who who yeah. <laughs> 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 really no, I'm just kidding. Um, and 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 there are others who who don't think that that's quite the case. And and I'm wondering, you know, and you may not be able to speak to this, but were you to have followed that plot line, were you to have killed off Draco, d- were you planning on making it part of what happened at at the prison? Would it have been almost not a heroic death? That would be the yes, wrong way to say it, but yes. almost a sacrificial death. Yes, we were thinking about that. Yeah, we were yeah, because about he all. And- I mean, really, when you. When you read that chapter, he almost died. I mean, he 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 pretty much would have died if it hadn't been for uh, Mister Weasley and ultimately for Harry. So, uh, I remember thinking that as as uh, as I was reading the chapter that wow, they they could have they could have killed him here if they really had wanted to. They could have killed him, and I think it was uh, uh, it, either way. I think it, you could have definitely made it work. Yeah, it, it's it's kind of a case of you know this is a case of um, I remember. I mean, I remember our discussions about Draco because there was some stuff going on. You know, at the time that we were writing this, there there was a, um, and I think it's still up, um, but Arabella Megan was writing a story with our friend Jedi Bodicea that was like a Draco Ginny story. Um, that was sort of like the dirty secret of the Sugar Quill that they had this Draco Ginny story up. And there is actually, I probably, well, I guess it's okay to. I, I don't even know if we posted any of this or not. I had nothing to do with it. I was like. I have to say they're both such good writers that it was good. Obviously, like I will read pretty much anything that Meg writes and think it's wonderful. But um, I was just like, no, no, Draco is a little shithead, and this would never <laughs> happen, um, you know. And and he's you're just making him seem too nice. And there was actually there were some sort of alternate versions that they wrote for fun to after the end, and I don't know if they published them anywhere. And I don't know if I even have them on my computer. I definitely remember reading them, where you know Draco lives across the street. Uh, and um, you know Harry's being such a butthead to Ginny in the beginning that she is pushed into Draco's arms, so to speak. Oh my God! Um, 
you know, so there was sort of like that going on. I, you know, and that was just like a lot of fun for them to sort of branch out into that area. But then, you know, so that, you know, so there was sort of this feeling like, you know, well, you know, what if Draco makes this big sacrifice and da 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 da. But then, you know, we did what we tried to do in the story is, you know, we always try to go back to canon. And, you know, I feel like if you look at the Harry Potter books, I mean, Draco is just like a little shithead. I mean, okay, even yeah. even if he couldn't kill Dumbledore in the end, you know, I I still don't think that makes him like, I don't think that redeems him. I don't think it redeems him. I think it makes him, well, it makes him a weak character. He's, it makes he, him, he's a weak character, exactly. He's a, he's a weak character, and he's not, you know, I don't see, oh, you're redeemable. You Like, you know, I, I don't kill people every day, and it doesn't make me a good guy. But, right. You know, when, you know, I. <laughs> I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, you know, what I mean, it's like, except for last Tuesday, but we can't talk about that. <laughs> edit. But you know, one thing it does do is it really, I think, humanizes the character, and I think that's one thing yeah. you guys did a really good job at. Oh yeah. You know, especially yeah. the scene when I, I can't think of the name of the bar, um, the fish head or the fish, whatever it was. Something, the leaping fish. The leaping fish. See, I knew there was a fish in there somewhere. <laughs> you know, you know when you know Ginny comes and does the first healing yeah. session. Under, I mean, that was just you. You, you, you pity the guy and it's like you feel so bad so bad so bad so bad but then you hate him again by the end but then you still feel bad and then he does awful things and you then find out that he's you know making muggles and fertile because of makeup and all the you know, it's yeah. like just when you think he goes back you kind of eh. but I, I think he made him a very human character and I, I still hate him don't get me wrong but he's, <laughs> he's so easy to give a little mustache to and you twirl it and he's like I've read some fics where he's the antichrist and that's not right, exactly that's not yeah I, he's not he's not that smart I mean he's not exactly he's not that smart if that makes sense it is I mean he's not he's just a little pipsqueak yeah is what he is yeah. um he's you know he just goes crying to his daddy and you know I mean he's obviously like a little bit smart you know, but he's just—he's uh, not that important. Yeah, and that's least- yeah, and that was one thing you really saw a lot in chapter forty-two. Well, even in both of them, when you know Ginny goes to the cell and you know cuts a deal with them, and when you see him at um, Azkaban, you know, getting ready to you know lead the final, I call it the final battle. He's very weak, very weak, very weak. Then he realizes he has something on these people. So then he gets very cocky and he tries to run with it as far as he can. Then he realizes Ginny has something on him, and then he goes back. It's if he has yeah. nothing, he doesn't know what to do. But if he has one little thing, he can hold over people. He's going to really just push it as far as he can. Right. Yeah, exactly. and I, I think we all know somebody who's like that. You know, I know that I do. I, I, we've all met somebody in our lives who, you know, uses whatever little thing that they can as as a method of control as a method of power and and those people are ultimately very pathetic people because you can see right through it and that's what i and i, I discussed this i think in um, in uh, podcast number 11 uh that the, the character of draco is is truly pathetic in the in the in the true sense of the word he he just you know he's he's doing whatever he can to maintain as much control as possible but without anybody pulling the strings anymore he really doesn't know what to do yeah I think that's... Are you a psychiatrist? <laughs> no, but I play one on TV. <laughs> You're like, oh my God, that was amazing. Thank you. <laughs> I'll leave my number at the end if you want to call. Okay, great. It's that's in fun. the Philippines, though, so it's going to be a long-distance call for you. Exactly. <laughs> or you Skype. Or you Skype, yeah. There we go, yeah. Right, flipping through here. Uh, I'm looking for some good ones. If it's from Jen, it basically is, will you write a sequel? You're not going to write a sequel, are you? To after- oh, God, no. 
Well, here's the thing. Would you write like a one shot? You just crushed a lot of people. Would you write like, you know, the wedding or would you write like a one shot chapter that takes place like five years later? Would you do anything like that or are you done with that universe? No, I'm, I'm done. I mean, I don't, and I don't think Meg would either. Um, would you sanction it if somebody else wanted to? Um, I mean, sure. If they want to, I just don't, I mean, sure. You know, if someone wants to do it, you know, you know, something that's like based on, you know, the after the end universe, whatever. I mean, for me, if I was going to, you know, I haven't written, I haven't written fan fiction, sadly, since after the end. Um, and that's just, you know, due to lack of time and life circumstances. And I hope to get back into writing in some way at some point in the future. But, you know, I mean, like when I have sat down and thought like, gosh, if I was going to write fan fiction, what would I write about? I mean, I go back to the books you know, and we've had two books out since after the end, you know, I mean, so, you know, I mean, one of the things that I am kind of interested in and in looking into, for example, like if I were to write a fan fiction, you know, maybe something about what was going on with the order of the Phoenix, you know, while Harry and everybody else was at school or something like that. I mean, you know, I don't know. I just... Like, where was Dumbledore every time yeah, he got kicked well, out of Hogwarts? Or... Yeah, where was Dumbledore, you know, how did, you know, starting with the romance once again, you know, how did Remus and Tonks actually hook up and meet each other, that kind of thing, you know, what what the hell was Snape doing, you know? I just want to know where <laughs> Remus Tonks came from. That was not one of my favorite moments of book six. I was like, huh? Yeah, that's really? what I'm trying to figure that out. I, yeah, I'm torn. I'm torn about that I have to say because um, that's you know I think in a way that's one of the things I would have liked to just remain ambiguous Yeah. you know um, you know Remus and who he was and and all that stuff um, I mean I, you know but on the other hand I just want Remus to be happy well you were saying this, you were saying this to us before too you left the relationship between Remus and Sirius ambiguous for that reason you could kind of read anything you want into that yeah, I mean, I think, and this is, you know, this is me being total, I, I'm not a psychiatrist at all. I have no degree in psychiatry or psychology or whatever it is. I don't even know the right word. Well, we have Dr. But, Phil here, so go ahead. Yeah, we have Dr. Phil here. You know, um, <laughs> but, you know, I mean, you have this character of Remus Lupin, and, you know, he has this illness, which is that he turns into a werewolf, and it's something that he can't really help and that people are prejudiced against him for. And I feel like... You know that spoke that characteristic. I think is what made a lot of people relate to that character. Um, you know, and one of the things that you know at the Sugar Quill before um, Half Blood Prince came out. You know, we always tried to have you know the stories that we archived there were supposed to be you know based on canon, and you know it had to be sort of you know with canon basis and canon, 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 and you know it's fan fiction, but don't stray too far from the books. And um, you know, even though there was no proof one way or the other for, you know, a Rima serious pairing in the books. That was one of the, that was the one slash pairing that we sort of let be, be written about an archive at the sugar quill, just because I felt like that was a sort of like a demographic that we should reach out to. Um, you know, and I thought like there were people who want to write about this. I didn't want to be in, you know, the person who said you can't write about these two men in love with each other because, you know, J.K. Rowling didn't say it because I felt like there were I felt like there were probably um, a lot of people, even you know teenagers, who maybe 
this would help them discover things about themselves yeah. or whatever. So I just, I, you know, I wanted that to be there. And I think that having the Remus character, I think a lot of people, I think a lot of people assumed he was like gay, you know? I mean, I think the way that she wrote him and pe- maybe people will disagree with me on that. I don't know. But, you know, then to sort of like, you know, stick him with this random romance at the end of Half-Blood Prince, it just, it, yeah, a lot of people didn't see it coming and, you know, well, I don't it know. seemed weird. It seemed like you know, just grab a random you know female character and just hook him up with Remus. I mean, it could easily have been like Mrs. Weasley if something happened to Arthur. It's just like you know, like where did this come from? It just where, seem- yeah, exactly. It, it almost makes you wonder if if that was J.K.'s because I think there was a lot of speculation leading up to book six, and maybe I don't know. I mean, I would never say that she would change anything she was going to write based off of of internet speculation, but you know, there's a little part of me that wondered. Did, was that kind of her answer, you know, to, to that question? You know, uh, and I don't know, because you're right. It, 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 it kind of just jumped in there all of a sudden. You, oh, oh, okay. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't know. Um, and I, you know, this, this, this website I was telling you guys about that the guy who hates Half-Blood Prince and hates Harry Potter, but wrote this funny summary. He, he has said, he said a lot of stuff in his summaries. I haven't read the whole thing through about the female characters. And that's a big topic of debate all the time is, you know, the female characters and Harry Potter stories. And I have mixed feelings about them as well. Um, I mean, I like all the female characters. Um, and I also feel like when you're reading any piece of literature, you have to take everything with a grain of salt. I mean, J.K. Rowling has not declared that Harry Potter books are like the feminist manifesto or anything. Um, you know, she's writing, you know, a certain universe, a certain group of characters, and she's making those characters true to the universe. But he made some co- this guy with this website, um, you know, made some comment about, you know, here you have this character, you know, Tonks is an or, you know, auror, however you want to say it. Aura. Aura. Aurar. Um, it's a hard word to say when you say it out loud. Aurar. Apparently, I put R's at the end of all my words, so I'm not qualified to say it. We had a problem. <laughs> okay. Tonks is an Aurar, and uh, you know, and she's she's young, and she's obviously very smart and very talented because you have to be like a genius to become an Aurar. Um, you know, and she's you know she's probably done all sorts of crazy brave things. I mean, she she holds her own in battles. I mean, she just is. She's obviously a cool person. And yet, you know, then along comes this guy. She's a Hufflepuff, too. And she's a Hufflepuff. She's a hard worker. And um, she falls in love with him. And suddenly, like, she can't do anything anymore. You know, she's moping around, you know, not changing her hair. And, you know, she loses her ability to function, basically. Um, You know, which, I mean, if you've been in love and your heart is broken, you know... Yes, that often happens to people, but often, you know, I don't know if it happens to normal, well, I guess I shouldn't say, I don't know, I'm kind of hard-hearted, but, you know, (laughs) like, just, I don't know, it just, that whole thing seemed a little bit... Heavy-handed. Heavy-handed, exactly. You know, did it have to be that extreme, and did we have to have that many hints about it, and um, that's one of the reasons why I almost, you know, I've read some fan fiction that I really like that sort of explores how that came to be. And people come up with good explanations that, you know, make things a little bit more believable. But, I, yeah. Well, I mean, I there were some people on the forum who were trying to put out um, a canon basis for, you know, Remus and Tonks. And they, they, you know, they point out, you know, in Order of the Phoenix, you know, they refer to each other by their first name, you know, when they come to collect Harry from Private Drive. And mm-hmm. the book, they, well, I'm like, well, I know they knew each other. I mean, like, I'm not saying, you know, they, like, they had no contact. But it just seemed like, you know... 
he's much older, she's younger, they didn't seem like they had similar personality types. Maybe he did when he was a marauder, maybe he was like more of the carefree, you know, adventurous kind of guy and then, you know, kind of lost that a little bit with everything that happened to him. I just didn't really see a, a basis for it. But yeah, it's like the the one thing I love about these books is that she, you know, weaves through these themes you know, almost without you noticing. So then, you know, at the end of Chamber of Secrets, you know, Dumbledore will have the big speech with Harry where he tells him it's all about choice and here's the things that you've done over the past two years that maybe the reader hasn't really noticed, you know, out in the open. And, you know, this proves everything I just said and this is why, you know, your choices have defined who you are. And then you you jump up to, you know, Half-Blood Prince and it's like they're banging us on the head. If you love someone, you must allow them to be in your life as he's dumping Ginny. It's like... Right. You know, you that would have al- been plenty. <laughs> Yeah, you can almost picture like the Saved by the Bell music in the background. And, you know, the character learns. A little. It's like okay, we've gone you know a little bit off the deep end in the past four books, but yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I hate to. I mean, you know, I still I I love Remus Lupin as a character. I mean, I just think he's an interesting character. And Jen I like, wants to kick I, him. Well, you know, yeah. she probably will want to kick me too. Then I don't think I, I think that yeah. was sacrilegious. What you just said, yeah, Karen. yeah. But, um, you know, and, and I like Tonks, too, as a character. I think she's, so, you know, I'm glad she's there, and I, I liked her from the beginning and so on. So, you know, I just want, I just want Lupin to be happy. But, and, I, and I'm scared now that there's this romance that that means one of, you know, one of them, probably Lupin, is going to bite it somehow. <laughs> you I know? I a phrase. Yay. I mean... <laughs> I mean, I just can't see anything good happening out of all of this, you know? It just seems like you're sort of setting setting them up for disappointment and unhappiness. I don't know. Um, it just seems like, you know, I, I just find it hard to believe that, you know, they make up, Tonks' hair turns pink, and that's the end of it, and we never hear from them again. Yeah. I just don't. Well, no, it was, too. It's such... You know, lulled into a false sense of security. You think there's this entire subplot going on with Tonks and how she's, you know, not really her and the real Tonks is being held prisoner and that's someone under Polyjuice. Watch out and you get the sense that there's all these things happening. It's really that her boyfriend broke up with her and she's sad. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You're like, my girlfriend broke up with me when I was 16. I wasn't this upset. Like, it's kind of like. Yeah. But see, then there's there's all of us putting our own personal, you know, reactions into that. I mean, like I said, I'm, I said, I'm hard hearted. Okay. I'm not hard hearted. Obviously I'm a, I'm a nice person, but we like you, you know, thank you. But <laughs> you know, like for instance, breakups have never been that hard for me, you know, cause it kind of is like at the point where there's a breakup, I'm like, okay, that's fine. You know, whatever I, you know, and maybe I've just never, maybe I've never experienced true love that's worth, you know, Losing my ability to change my face at random. And, um, <laughs> Do you find it difficult changing your hair color after a breakup? You know, I mean, I I don't know. I just you know, whenever people get so, and I know people do get that emotional over breakups and things like that, and and you know, I can understand that Tonks will be worried about Remus and blah 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 blah, but. Well, my girlfriend just moved five hours away from me, and everyone walks up to me with this horrible look on their face, like, "Oh no, are you going to be all right?" I'm like. I'm going to find the will to go on and possibly visit. <laughs> it's like, yeah, but you've also called her like, didn't you call her every night? I thought she was, she was attacked dead? by Turkish rebels. <laughs> okay. Here's the thing. Her mother called me and said, we can't find her. So then I'm, I'm not going to be like, okay, off to podcast. Let me know if she turns up. So of course I have to, you know, so <laughs> doing the episode live from, you know, see, you, I, I could see you, Ryan. I mean, I, actually I've never seen you, but I'll send you a still picture. I could see you. I've seen, I've seen that little, the little avatar picture, but yeah. um, I could see you 
you know, losing your ability to change your hair color at will and moping around. I would be very sad. Yeah, my hair I is, could see you. I have very that. little hair already, but my beard would fall out. Yeah, your beard would fall out. And, yeah. <laughs> so. Well, thank you, I think. <laughs> so you're more, so you're Remus and I'm Tonks. Yeah, yeah. You're going to bite it. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> All right, next question someone has here. Uh, the relationships you guys came up with in After the End, you had Eloise and Colin, you had, uh, you know, Ron and, you, you know, oh, I forgot his name. What was the guy, uh, Phil, what was the guy's name, the the, um, the archivist, archivist? Oh, 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 now you've made me forget it. What was it? Mr. Doyle. Oh, yeah. Okay, you didn't remember if Draco lived, so I didn't want to ask you what the name of the, <laughs> of the big character was. So. Yeah, okay, now you obviously have, you know, the ship with Ron and Mr. Doyle, you have George and Ra- Madame Rosmurda, you, you, you have... <laughs> with Ron and Mr. Doyle. We did, we did that. One of the bullet points we had for an episode was Ron, Mr. Doyle, the new George, Rat, Madame Rosemary. But, um, I was cracking... Can I just interrupt you for a second? You can do I, whatever the hell you want. I was cracking up at whatever podcast it was because it, it might have been the all-girl... The all, one of the all-girl podcasts because they were talking... First of all, I'm pretty sure I wrote like all the Mr. Doyle scenes. Okay. I'm an archivist. You know, so and that Mr. is Doyle actually... Mr. Doyle is kind of me. Okay. No, I actually gave a talk today at work where I think I bored the hell out of everybody there. You know, just blah, blah, blah. Look at this neat stuff from the Civil War. Yay. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, um, but uh, no, like that, there are some important plot points that section with, with Mr. Doyle. I think we put like a Mr. Doyle section right in the middle of like right before Harry and Ginny's first kiss or one of their kisses. Ron and Hermione's return. Ron Hermione. That was yeah, the return. That's right. It was the return right. from Cortona. And um, and we totally did it on purpose. But And there's tons of plot stuff in there because there's all this stuff about the objects and the rings and things like that, I think, in that section. I don't know. We dropped a lot of hints in that Mr. Doyle section. And they're there in the no podcast. No one read it. <laughs> And everybody's like, he's like, I just skimmed that part. I didn't care. No, blah, blah, blah. And that's exactly how people reacted when we, we put that chapter out, too, I remember. They were like, what the hell is this stuff with Mr. Doyle? Who the hell is Mr. Doyle? We don't care. We don't care. We just skipped that part. So, ha. <laughs> it's like when you turn the paper into the professor and you're like, I know you're not going to read this. So I wrote, screw you, in the middle of a sentence. <laughs> yeah. It's Draco's ring. Nobody reads it. <laughs> no, really. I know we could have been like Draco's ring is controlling the Dementors. Holy cow! Yeah, Mordor. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> like, okay, I've seen each of the movies once. Haven't read the book. I think I even get something's up with the damn Draco. Yeah, for real. Yeah. <laughs> All right, but my serious question was: you have yeah, really? Sorry. I don't. I don't care. Okay. <laughs> um, you have really interesting. Uh, I'm not gonna say ships because. Someone will probably come back and assassinate me for using the wrong term, but... Um, I can say ship. I can say ship. Okay. Well, I said um, Harry Dumbledore once is the relationship between them, and I got a lot of, you know... Yeah, I guess that isn't really a ship. You're not supposed to... Yeah, ship it's, is romantic. It's more of a canoe. <laughs> <laughs> It's right. a, the canoes. Yeah, that's a good term. Okay, so we, we've started here. You know, spread it over the sugar quilt. All right. You've got, you know, like, Sirius and, you know, Ginny. And you have, you know... Ron and Draco versus, you know, Harry and Draco. And you have, you know, Bill and Penny. You have all of these, you know, ships that, you know, at the time that you were writing this, you know, you number one, you really didn't have a basis for it in 
can like you're talking like you know if if two characters bump each other in a hallway you know they become you know close friends and after the end because you kind of saw that there were you know maybe enough plot points to you know build a friendship or a mm-hmm. relationship around and now looking back on it you know after reading Half Blood Prince it's like that is so cool there's an entire subplot with Sirius who doesn't even live and Ginny who I don't even think says two words to him in Order of the Phoenix I mean. What do you think of that? I mean, when you look back at, you know, what you wrote years ago, you know, before these last two books came out, you know, so much stuff you got absolutely right. You nailed it. And so much stuff is just so interesting. Like Eloise and Colin, you know, no one, it's written very, very well, but I don't even know if I have a question. Maybe I'm just, yeah. (laughs) Do you see anything in here you'd like to comment on? Um, You know... I watched a lot of Beverly Hills 90210 when I was growing up. And, um, Good answer. <laughs> that's my answer. <laughs> Enough said. <laughs> so just, like, they, they always just like dated each other mm-hmm. on that show. Like everybody, you know, once again, it, they live in Los Angeles, you know, which has a population of what? I don't know. A lot of people. A lot. Yet somehow like everybody knows Brandon and Brenda Walsh. She just moved there from Minnesota. So, <laughs> you know, and everybody goes to the Peach Pit. Because that's where they go. Hold on, I'm seeing a similarity here. Everyone knows the Weasleys. Everyone who runs the government lives in Lupin Lodge. <laughs> you see what I mean? And so, you know, if there's, you know, if you need a character for something, why go outside? You know? <laughs> I could make a really bad reference here, but I'm not going to. Yeah, I just, something really awful came into my head. It's the now. exact same thing that just came into my head and said it back over to you. <laughs> And it's in a state right where this. <laughs> Although I'm sure someone's really a fanfic about it. Yeah, we were just yeah. asking if I've, if we've all seen pictures of each other. I saw a picture of you. You were in what article? There was an article on you. Yeah, you and um, and Meg were actually. Uh, there's a photograph of you when you. I think it was it was mostly on the sugar quill itself, right? There might be a picture or two of us on the sugar quill. I think you know. Yeah, we were in an article in um, the Baltimore Sun a couple years yeah. ago. There was a picture and. Um, yeah, I mean there are there are pictures of me out there. They don't look anything like me anymore because I grew my hair out. So oh, I don't okay. look anything like my avatar anymore. That's sad. Yeah, yeah, I need a new avatar. I'll probably cut my hair off again at some point, but um, yeah. Time passes yeah. so quickly. I know, I know. You know what's funny though, because I've got I've got uh, I've seen the one picture of the two of you, and it was kind of strange because uh, Meg with with her red hair. Uh, at least in the photograph, I I found myself picturing, almost picturing her likeness when when Ginny was discussed in the story, and that was Aww. very unusual for me in a lot of ways. I remember just Aww. seeing that and thinking, that's that's kind of what I could see Ginny, you know, uh, growing into, you know, because this character that's started out so young and has grown so much, it's a, uh, it's 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 been quite a journey for. Her. There's a lot of Meg in Ginny, at least in the in the after the end Ginny, and you know, yeah, she does have a lot of the. Um, those characteristics, except that I think Ginny is described as small in the Harry Potter books and makes about six feet tall. So that's where the uh, resemblance ends. But she and her boyfriend looks like Harry Potter. It's kind of freaky. Yeah. Yeah. She's going to cut, she's going to draw a scar on his forehead one night while he's asleep. (laughs) I bet she's done it. (laughs) I would bet, I would bet $87 that she's done that. Exactly. $87. Exactly. $87. Exactly. $87. (laughs) Well, that's weird, too, because it's like I was thinking of Jenny the other day, you know, because I do this, I drive, and I think of Jenny. And how much of Jenny do we actually know about from the canon at the end of Gobble of the Fire? Because I really think her good stuff starts coming out of the Northern Phoenix. 
it oh, does. Yeah. It does. But I'm telling you, and this this brings out like my early fandom rage. We knew a lot. If you know how to read a book, we knew a lot. We could have predicted that Ginny would have ended up the way that she ended up. Okay. Well, and you did. What did you? That's know? exactly what you did do. What do we know? We know? knew. Okay, we saw her. We saw her first in. Um, boy, I'm geeking out. Um, we saw her first in the first book in Philosopher's Stone, and you know she is like she is not sh- shy at all. Do you know what I mean? I mean, she sort of sees, I mean, she's young. She's like 10 years old, but you know, she's, she's pretty vocal. You know, she's like, mom, mom, can I go? Or she's mom, mom, can I go to Hogwarts? Can I see Harry Potter? Please, please, please. Blah, blah, blah. I mean, we see her for like five seconds, but it's not a shrinking violet. You know, I mean, Ginny is, is pretty outspoken and she knows what she wants and she's, you know, willing her, willing to whine her way to get it. And I guess maybe that's a 10 year old characteristic, but. That is how she was when she was 10. Okay, so then we see her in Chamber of Secrets. And yes, she is starstruck by Harry. And yes, she sort of like hides from him and so on and so forth. Um, but she's also being possessed. She survives being possessed by Voldemort. I mean, sure. she, sur- she is 11 years old. You guys should see me like hitting my leg with my hand as I make this point. <laughs> she's 11 years old. She's 11 years old. She survives being possessed by an evil wizard spirit diary thing most of the year. Um, and she tries to overcome it. I mean, she has the power to, to trash that diary. You know, she throws it away. She has the power. She's resourceful enough on her own to sneak into the boys dormitory and ransack it looking for the diary. You know, she's brave enough to, or forward enough, I guess we could say, to send Harry a valentine. I mean, I guess there was no proof that that was really from her, but I think it was from her. And, yeah. um, you know, I mean, she's just, she, she, I mean, the fact that she survived her first year at Hogwarts, I think just, you know, you can extrapolate so much from that. So, I mean, that's what we were really sort of building on is like this girl must be, there must be a bigger role for her. And, you know, she must be amazingly strong, you know, and then you get little clues from, you know, Ron says stuff like she never shuts up, um, you know, and, um, you know, even in Goblet, I guess we didn't hear from her a lot in Prisoner of Azkaban. I can't remember at least. And in Goblet of Fire. She had that great line in the movie, though. Uh, what was her line? In the, which one was her line the in the movie? The fat lady's gone. The fat lady's gone. I can't remember. It's when they come back to school and Sirius, you know, during one of his fits of rage, attack the fat lady. Yeah. And they're on the stairs. And she says the fat lady's gone. Yeah. Something <laughs> Something's happened to the fat lady. Something about the fat lady. Yeah. Well, they try to, they try to like, you know, give her a line in each of the movies, you know, along with incredible fashion sense, I've yeah. noticed. Um, uh, yes. But, uh, <laughs> I love the gloves with like the things that like hold, like they, they like wrap around your wrist. And yeah, I know. My Nana had those. Those are nice. <laughs> They dress Ginny like this little old lady, you know. Well, they put they put Hermione in like juicy couture jeans and you know belly yeah. shirts. So. Well, you have to love what the movies have done so far. In you know, in the last week, Hermione has gone up a cup size, and Ginny looks nothing like Bonnie Wright. Oh my God! I you know I'm so glad. I don't know if you all saw. I mean, you know, all the the postings on Leaky Cauldron about yeah. you know. I mean, thank I'm, the, the I'm posters. So, yeah, yeah. I'm so glad that. You know, Melissa said something, and, you know, I mean, I'm so glad someone pointed that out. 
I didn't really even yeah. get it that much until I saw the live journal to put them like one on top of the other and kind of like fade mm-hmm. them into each other so you could just see the difference. Yeah. And, and it was, and the one that I didn't see anyone talking a lot about was, I think it was the Swedish poster when you looked at Bonnie Wright, or I'm sorry, when you looked at Ginny, it's not uh-huh. Bonnie Wright. Oh, really? It's a different person? Well, it's not a different person, but they change. I think they Photoshop her so much. Like, there's a link on um, the forum. I'll send you a link to it. It okay. doesn't look absolutely anything like her at all. Like, it looks like a yeah. completely different person. Hmm. So. Really? I swear. Yes. You know. <laughs> Those then, damn kids. Damn kids. But, you know, she she gets asked out a lot in Goblet of Fire. Yeah. You know? I mean, That's Neville true. asked her to the ball, and... um. Well, I guess she does. I mean, I guess she, I mean, I guess Neville asked for the ball. I guess that's it. But you know, well, and Harry asks her. You know, and she's obviously disappointed, but she doesn't. You know, she sort of holds her own. Um, so I don't know. You know, I just think that I think the proof, the hints were there, animal-sized yeah. hints, as J.K. Rowling would say. <laughs> and um, you know, so I, you know, I don't feel like we. I just feel like we built on what we, what where thought. we thought she was going. Yeah. And well, and that's what. No, I'm sorry. I just want to say fast. That one of the things too is that you had essentially in one book you told the story of four years. I mean, how many times do you, you get a fic that okay, the fourth year just happened. Okay, now we'll write the fifth year. You wrote four years, and you and you know Megan, everyone else. You, you wrote four years, you know, over the course of forty chapters. Yeah. So you really got to take them from being fourteen year old, fourteen years old to almost nineteen, and really just tell the story of their adolescence and everything that they do in just one fell swoop. Yeah. Yeah, we and, did. I and guess. at the same time, you sent Voldemort to a J.C. Penny in Long Island. I mean, yeah, I know. I've got a question. I'm sorry, guys. For real, like, I mean, you know, like what? He's a he's one scary dude, that Voldemort guy. I mean, and he looks so freaky in the movie incarnation, you know. And like, what, like, I mean, he just can't go anywhere because he looks like a freak. He's too dainty you know? in the movie. He's too dainty. He skips. He skips, and as you said, yeah. he's wearing a muumu. He's wearing a muumu. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's just, yeah. I mean, how does he even, like, I mean, he can't go from point, I mean, I guess he doesn't care because he's a wizard and he can apparate and he doesn't need to see muggles or anything. But, I mean, it's not like he can disguise himself and, and hang out in normal society with a snake face. With his GQ suit on from the uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, what the hell is that? I think that's that was, that's got to be Harry's walk. This is Harry's nightmare or whatever. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I wouldn't put it past them to add that scene in, though, just because they change everything else in the movies. But that was yeah, good. yeah, I know, I know. I've got a question for you guys because you were saying before that you know this, the okay, you get the prologue. I'm sorry, you get the epilogue to after the end, and then a few hours later, Order of the Phoenix comes out. So you've obviously, you know, this is a big part of your life. For, you know, how long did it take you to write the whole thing from beginning to end of after the end? Oh my God, I don't know. Like probably more than two years. Okay, so this is like two years of your life. You're, I'm, I'm sure you, you like went to the bathroom and washed your car and did other stuff too. But you know, two years of your life, yes. After the end. And and Phil was telling us last week that when he was at work and the new chapters would be released, he'd print them out, go out to his car, and read them in his car. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think I'm remembering you, Phil. Yeah, you are. <laughs> and I have to tell you, you're in violation of a restraining order right now. Oh God! Yeah, and we were jo- we were joking last week too. There was like the huge wait after chapter forty when Phil's in this car. He's like screaming and it's like smashing the horn, and the guy in the next car looks over. He's like, "Can you believe it?" Like, but um, I, okay. you know, that's awesome because I, you know, I used to be that way about fan fiction too. I mean, I think that's a great sort of experience to have. You know, I mean, there were there were stories. 
I can't remember specifically which ones right now, but I mean, there were definitely stories that I was so into that when the new chapter came out, um, yeah, I would sort of drop what I was doing and yeah, you know, yeah, and, and, I, and it, on, on a few a few occasions, that's why I would I would print them out because I wanted to be left completely alone when I read it. I did, you know, and, and at work, I can I can shoo people away from my from my desk, but at the same time, you know, I, I knew that I could get interrupted and that there were noises around me, and so every once in a while, uh, when when certain chapters came out and I just wanted to be left alone, I would print them out, which you know was sometimes forty pages, and. Yeah, uh, Sorry, <laughs> sorry, tree. No, no, no apologies necessary. Um, I, I use recycle paper and um, <laughs> go out to yeah, go out to my car and and I was talking last week about getting to the end of uh, uh, what which chapter was it, Ryan? The um, the so it was uh, when Ron proposes to Hermione. Oh, no, no, actually, that no, was sorry, the one it's the before. Where, it's um, the Grangers. Well, the Grangers are waking up. Yes, the Grangers are waking up and then getting to the last to those last few sentences and going. Wait, did I leave a page? Did I, you know, because <laughs> I wanted, I so much wanted to find out what was happening next. So yeah, it's a, it's great. And, and that anticipation does, uh, yeah, it, it, it's fun to look back on that. You know, I mean, if, if I had been, if I had read this story cover to cover all at once, I'm sure I would have enjoyed it just as much. But having that anticipation there and going onto the groups and speculating, and talking to the other people who are also just as excited. I mean, it's, it's kind of a shared experience and it makes it, it makes it that much more fun. Okay, like I'm a fan of Battlestar Galactica, and I just have to tell you. Are you really? I am a huge Battlestar Galactica fan. <laughs> All right, you, Lady Chi, Lady Chi, I'm taking a shot. Okay. There we go. All right, are, are you too? Who me? Yeah. No, it's just that you mention it on like every podcast. Yes, that's oh, that's no. what we're doing. <laughs> okay. Like I have to tell you, they like they throw like the completely most screwed up stuff at you that you're like, like the the only way I can describe this is like at the end of a chapter. If all of a sudden Harry, Ron, and Hermione are walking down a road, and you know the Death Eaters come out of nowhere, you find out Neville's been a traitor all this time. They're they jump behind you know the rocks and they're firing off. You know they're surrounded and they're trying to defend themselves. And then, like the last five seconds, you know Lily and James come from behind the bushes, start fighting with them, and say, "Don't worry, it's gonna be all right." And then you cut to black, <laughs> and then the next episode's on a year and a half later. That's like oh lost. Yes, that's like what they yeah. do. And they get in your head and they screw you. And Jen's actually smart. Jen's watching it on uh, DVD and she got to the second to last episode. She's like, I'm not watching this until the new season comes out because I'm going to want to kill myself. <laughs> well, I, to- I think I might have mentioned to you, Ryan, about like what happened with me and Lost and how a friend of mine let me the DVDs of the first two seasons. So I, I had the experience of watching the first two seasons sort of back to back, you know, as often as I could. And then when I finished, they were halfway through the live broadcast of the third season, and I couldn't wait. You know, I was like, oh, my God, I need to catch up. I need to catch up right now because I wanted to go online and read all the theories, mm-hmm. but I didn't have, um, you know, I didn't want to do it until I'd because I didn't want to be spoiled at all. Right. So I started downloading episodes from iTunes until I caught up. And, you know, finally I caught up about midway through the season. And now, you know, like I'm right on schedule with everybody else and, you know, I can watch the And it got renewed for three more and- years. Three? Are you serious? Three? It, they it's gonna go three more years. I mean, I kind of think they could finish it in like one next year. year. Yeah. Yeah. I I love the anticipation, but yeah, yeah, I think they could finish it in like a year. But whatever. But yeah, and it is all it is all wacky like that. I mean, I don't know if any. I know I don't think you watch Lost, right, Ryan? I don't. And no. um, and Phil's in the Philippines, so I'm guessing. No. Oh, I'm a huge fan. Uh, I just okay. haven't had a chance because they okay. you can't um, you can't download uh, episodes outside the U.S. Oh, really? Uh, so yeah. So uh, well, actually, I could buy I could buy them on iTunes if I wanted to. Yeah. Um, 
and download them that way. But as far as like watching them on ABC.com ABC. or something, yeah. I can't do that. It says, Oh, we're sorry. This is only for our U S customers. So uh, yeah. I haven't, I've, I've been out of the lost loop for the last few weeks. I've been talking to my wife. What, what happened? Some lady parachuted in and what, who is she? And, you know, trying to keep up with it as best as I can, but you can't explain an episode of lost over the phone. Yeah. All right, Jenya, I'm mailing you my DVDs of Battlestar Galactica. You were going to go through with the rest of this. <laughs> I could do not. I made Jen watch the first no, season. No, I made, no, I made no. Jen watch the first season. And she, she, she and her husband started like the last episode of the first season at like 9 o'clock at night. And I'll put it this way. There's a huge cliffhanger at the end. And she calls me swearing because Best Buy is closed and they can't buy season two until the next morning. <laughs> and she called me the next morning. She's like in line at Best Buy still swearing at me, so. <laughs> with her little southern accent, so it was kind of amusing, so I was laughing. And more with it. But, no, I don't need any more TV shows. Uh, you will learn to love it. No. Okay, here's another question someone had, which I thought was kind of cool. All right, okay. so you have, okay, so picture the whole after the end story. And you have it worked out from beginning to end. Where, like, someone at, like, the question that someone asked was, where do you see the characters in, like, 20 years? But my question is, like, what do you see, if you ever had to go back and say what happens, you know, after the end of the end. Mm-hmm. What happens to all these guys? Um, God, this is where J.K. Rowling would have like such a witty answer for that. And um, do I have a witty answer for Just that? gut feeling when you were writing it. Just were you hoped or anticipated? Or- uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I kind of thought they just got like sort of fat and old and lived happily ever after. I mean, you know, yeah. I did. I mean, I don't know, but like you know, Ron, I mean, I, like what Ron told the uh, Eloise at the beginning of the uh, story. Yeah, exactly. You know, that Harry, or you know, what Madame Trelawney pre- predicted that Harry was going to have twelve kids and live happily ever after. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess it, you know, real from a realistic point of view, um, you know, if you think of, I mean, I know Harry is not Dumbledore, and Dumbledore is not Harry, and so on and so forth. But look at Dumbledore. He's like what 150 years old, you know. He's already defeated, you know. He's already defeated one Dark Lord before Voldemort, you know. And that was Grindelwald was in like what 45, yeah. And then these books are so like you know, 50 years. So you know, what do you think? You think like in 50 years, Harry and them are going to be facing another Dark Wizard? You know, I mean, is this a cycle? that goes on and on and on. I mean, obviously, like, you know, this is after the end and, and all these characters have sort of worked out their personal little issues and Harry will stop shouting at everybody and being overdramatic and blah, 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 blah. But, you know, I mean, the world goes on. So, you know, who knows what what will happen? What will happen to their kids? What will they be up against? I don't know. Does Draco Malfoy become the next Dark Lord? No, he doesn't have it. No, he doesn't have it in him, I don't think. I mean, he he's weak, like you guys said. I don't think he becomes the next Dark Lord of anything. Maybe he'll become like the financer of the next Dark Lord. <laughs> he'll be the financial backer. He will. Yeah. I mean, what'll what'll happen to Draco Malfoy is he'll have, he'll have another bratty kid who will um, end up making the children of Harry and Ginny and Ron and Hermione miserable. Did you almost just say Harry and Hermione? Yeah. No, I almost said I I had just had to think about that for a second. Like, I think I almost said Ron and Ginny. Is what I think I that was kind of like the thing we were both thinking earlier, but neither. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, you know, I just, I just, I don't, I don't know, and I don't. Yeah. 
And I have to say, like, as I listen to the to the books, I mean, I know we're starting supposed to be talking about after the end, but as I listen to the okay. books over again, um, you know, like Hermione is really kind of a mystery to me. I'm I'm still not quite sure. Um, I actually think that the Hermione that's in after the end is a little bit too, um, a little bit too like rational. I don't know if that makes sense. Maybe rational is on the right right word. A little you know, bit too subdued. Well, at some points, I mean, because that actually jumps off to the next question I had. How do you react, you know, when people tell you? Because I think we've all said it about every character in the fic. Oh, we like after the end Remus so much better than Canon Remus, or we like after the end Ron so much better than Canon. I mean, you must get that a lot. Like, what do you? You know, or especially, you know, we like after the end Fleur better than, you know, Canon Fleur. I mean, yeah. You, you, yeah. You, these characters are people that, you know, you want to go out and have a beer with, you know, especially, you know, well, I'm assuming they're legal age now, but you know, whatever. But, you know, you like after the end Hermione and you tell over like 40 something chapters exactly why she's a good person and why you care about her and, you know, the little moments that really make them stand out. Whereas I know, you know, my girlfriend read after the end, you know, I almost had to put a gun to her, I had to go to read fan fiction, but she cried during it, she loved it. And then she reads the canon, and she literally wants to strangle Hermione through the pages. I mean, so, I, you know, you could argue, well, your character is too enjoyable. <laughs> I mean, like, <laughs> like, what, like, what do you think of that, like, people saying that? Because I'm sure we're not the first. Well, I mean, I think some of it is, um, you know, they are older. In this, I mean, think about how you were when you were 15, when you were 16. And no offense to any 15-year-olds or 16-year-olds or whoever is listening to this, but you change over your life. I mean, I think about things that I did six months ago and cringe, you know. Um, of course, you know, now I do yoga and I'm really centered and balanced and, you know, <laughs> calm all the time. Uh, I'm inserting you it, saying piss off right now. Yeah, piss <laughs> off. Um, you know, but think about, you know, just think about the way – I mean, I have changed a lot since I was a teenager, since I was a kid. You know, I mean, you go through phases in your life where your behavior is different. So, um, you know, so it could be that, you know, what you're calling, quote, after the end Remus or after the end Hermione is just, you know, I mean, I think what we were trying to do was make them be the same characters, but after how those characters would be after they've been through all this crap that they've been through. Um, so I think we were trying that, but you know, whether or not like our path of how they would turn out, um, is how JK Rowling would envision them turning out. I mean, I just don't know. I mean, you know, I have to say like I listening to, well, Order of the Phoenix is an annoying book. I mean, I, it's a great book. I love it, but you know, Harry, Ron, and Hermione are all so, um, full of hormones in that book in like a bad way that yeah. I just want to like beat the crap out of all of them, quite honestly. Um, you know, I mean, I mean, Hermione does some really stupid shit in that yeah. book. You know, she she really just she, she like and she flies off the handle a lot. And in this book, she's so calm and she's so sort of rational. And you know, we sort of made you know, I mean, there have been a lot of I've heard the girls especially talking about after the end Ron and you know how much they love after the end Ron and yeah, he is kind of like a. Who wouldn't love after the end, Ron? Jen left know? her husband for after the end. You know, I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, he's the he's the one who's like, you know, he's calm and supportive, and I mean, yeah, he wants to beat up Draco Malfoy, but you know, who doesn't? So, you know, he's mature. He's you know, he puts work 
side of everything. He, you know, talks to, he's kind to children and, you know. <laughs> he's um, kind to small animals. He takes in orphans. <laughs> and, uh. Rebuilds his in-laws house, yeah. Yeah, you know, I mean, he's sort of, but, you know, I mean, I think, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I think obviously there's some idealizing going on. Um, yeah, but you know, you know and, and this is something that this is something I posted to the to the group a long time ago. That I love the fact that you and Arabella, you and Meg, showed the potential of these characters, and I think that's what was so great about it is that you didn't you didn't take the characters that have been written and then just go crazy with them. You you kept it as true as you uh, could to the stories that you had at the time, and you gave them potential. And, and I think even in even in the um, in the canon books. J.K. Rowling obviously doesn't have the time or the space in these books to really delve into those characters as deeply as, as you guys did. And it's all true to what they are at their core. And that's why I think we've seen, as the fifth and the sixth book have come out, obviously, you know, what's in After the End is not what happens in, in the world of canon. But, you know, I remember reading the fifth and the sixth books and, and seeing so many little pieces that you guys just nailed. You just got it exactly right in terms of just the way a character reacted to something or, or specific uh, events that are taking place. And and I think that was all because you did just what you said. You, you kept it as true to the original characters as you could. And that's why I really liked this story from a character perspective, because it does. It shows their potential. If these people did grow up, they get four or five years older, what could they accomplish if they put their mind to it? And And that's what we see in this story. Oh, thank you. I mean, we're going to make you cry before you leave. I know. Well, you know, this. I keep talking about this crazy guy who doesn't like um, Half Blood Prince, um, but I, I don't know if he's crazy. He's probably very rational because he says something about. I mean, he has some funny stuff to say about Fleur in his summaries of Half Blood Prince, also. You know, and he's kind of like, you know, okay, so finally here in like the fourth or fifth chapter or whatever it is, you know, we get this. Um, you know, we finally get like an actual woman in the Harry Potter books. You know, she's not, you know, she's not sort of this hyperactive, depressed. Yeah. Jenny's building's on fire, but we're just yeah. going to No, no, stay on the podcast. We're not losing. Yeah. <laughs> Talk through the smoke. Get on the floor. Um, I, live in the, I live in the city that spawned Homicide and The Wire, so <laughs> say no more. Um, Baltimore? Yeah. Um, and Oz. Is an Oz based there, too? Um, I think it is. Yeah, I haven't seen Oz. I think Oz, the, prison, but, yeah. the prison there is, uh, is, was the inspiration for Oz. Oh, so. Ace yeah. of Cakes on the Food Network, too. Just yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Ace of Cakes is, is here also. Yeah, um, so that balances the homicide. Yeah, that balances the homicide. <laughs> but, um, yeah, like, I mean, he says something like, you know, um, you know, he's kind of joking, but he's like, you know, God, you know, like there's all these kids in this book, and then there's like a Tonks, like I don't know what a Tonks is, but here she is, <laughs> um, you know, and there's Molly Wobbles, you know, who's obviously an older one. He said, and finally we have this like woman who's just like a you know adult, normal, attractive woman, and nobody likes her, you know, which I thought was like a really funny thing to say, um, you know. But obviously, like in the books, I mean, we, you know, obviously there's more to Fleur than you know. Harry's point of view can pick out in the books because um, that's what we're seeing in the books is Harry's point of view, right. you know. And I'm not saying that that the Fleur in the books is like the Fleur in the after the end necessarily, but we never get to see her side of things, yeah. you know. I mean, uh, she's coming across to other people like Flem in After the yeah. End, also. But that's not who she know? actually is. I mean, yeah, and that's not yeah. So, you know, I mean, 
you know, I don't know what's going on with her and Bill behind closed doors. Um, you know. Well, that's why we have books. fan fiction so we can find out. Yeah, you yeah, know. Yeah. Um, you know, but she, you know, I mean, she, it, it made me think, I mean, she really actually is. I mean, she's just this, like, this, I mean, she, she also must be relatively smart. I mean, she's the one who made it as the Bobaton's champion. You know, she came in last in the tournament, but. I think that was a quota. Uh, I think there was, I mean, I think they had to have some, <laughs> she, like, she, like, she was lucky she got out of, like, the carriage without slipping and hurting herself. I mean. <laughs> Maybe that you've listened to the you know to the book before you know since yeah. I've only watched the movies recently and th- those obviously you know aren't really to the canon but does she win anything? She's last place in everything, isn't she? She she messes up a lot. Yeah, she doesn't. She I mean you know I mean she manages to get past the dragon, so that's fine. <laughs> the dragon didn't kill her. One. Yeah, the dragon didn't kill her, and then she gets she gets confused by Grindylows or something in the second task, and you know but you know I mean she you know I mean she's. She's fine. She's not like a total dunce or anything like that, you know. And she's obviously has a has a um, what you call it. I mean, she wants to go improve her English. You know, she gets a job abroad in England right after she graduates. You know, she's she's trying to get away from home and see the world and so on and so forth. And you know, so she's got to have a little bit of a spirit of adventure going on there. And she's pretty and she's nice and she's just trying to like be cool to her mother-in-law. And um, there's some cultural differences going on, you know, there. Yeah. And, you know, it's always a tense situation. And, you know, her mother-in-law is, is being pissy because this is her first kid that has gotten married. And blah, blah. I mean, there's all that. I mean, that's all. That all really happens. Yeah. Well, I was saying this before, too. It's like, you know, look at the fact that, you know, if, I, I think I said this. This didn't make it into a podcast, but I was talking about an episode of MASH once where they take everything in the camp and they light it on fire and they have this huge bonfire. That reminds me of you know, the chapter I just read with them sinking Azkaban. It's kind of like you know a bunch of people standing around watching something blow up or burn or drown or you know just kind of suck the emotions away with it and just like it's part of the healing process. I mean, Harry Potter has magic and it's got wizards and it's got wands and stuff, but they're people with real problems and they can't get dates and you know. They have no money, and they, you know, they're locked in. Cl- I mean, stuff that happens to everybody. Yeah, exactly. They're real people. They are real people. It's I, really. It's like I just interject and say that it's really weird to hear your voice, Ryan. Like that I'm talking to you because I'm just so used to listening to it in my car. I am too. <laughs> I, I don't get that a lot, but I'm, yeah, it's weird that you like you're answering questions. I'm usually like, Jenny, I wonder what you think here. And now you're actually like answering the question. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> You're like this is odd. You're real. Well, this is how I felt with you too. When when I realized that you have bills and you know tax refunds. You're real. Yeah, I do. You're real. We person. all do. I bet Phil does too. Yeah, every once in a, like every three years, I pay my taxes. <laughs> I just have to ask you this because this has been popping in my head um, with you guys. Okay, so I think I started asking this question and I don't remember you answering it, so maybe I never got to the end of it. But okay, so two and a half years you write after the end, Phil. Two and a half years you read after the end. So this is like big chunk of life after the end okay you, right. you 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 put it down you stop writing it you stop reading it and then you run to the bookstore and you grab order of the phoenix and you read right. that right now this was after the end was essentially your impression of you know what could have happened what could have been now this is right. what the, the, the real thing what was your reaction reading order of the phoenix but like both of you um we were okay you have to understand you have to understand, okay? Okay. It sounds like so snotty. Okay, just understand where I'm coming from. If you, 
had been online, like, like, you know, before Goblet of Fire, around the time of Goblet of Fire at the Harry Potter fan sites, you know, the books had sort of come out in rapid succession. Goblet of Fire comes out, it's sort of like, I mean, it is the, the middle book. It, it's, you know, it's the turning point, basically. And you're like, okay, so we've got another year to go, and the next book will come out. Great. Wrong. You have three years. You know, so yeah. we spent three years. I mean, when we started writing the story, we were like, you know, eh, well, you know, I don't know if we'll finish it because the book's going to come out. You know, book didn't come out. Da 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 da. You know, I mean, it was just, it was an awful, awful wait for this book. And so it was so much time to speculate. I mean, you know, it was just, I mean, that was just, you know, we had a lot less information to go on and so on. So when we got Order of the Phoenix, I mean, number one, I mean, Order of the Phoenix is a depressing book. Mm-hmm. It's a stressful book to read, I feel. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, I think it's a great book. And I think it's, I actually, I mean, the first thing I thought when I read it was like, you know, this is like one of the most realistic depictions of teenagerdom that I have ever read. You know, the way Harry runs around screaming at everyone is pretty much how I remember being when I was 15. You know, I mean, he's just, you know, and he's got cause to do that, you know, and all this griping with this, you know, finally we're getting like, you know, a really realistic depiction of life at a school. You know, I mean, you got to figure these guys are living together in the same dorm, um, you know, and they have like up to this point, like an average of one fight per year, mm-hmm. you know, and suddenly, you know, they're just, scre- you know, I think the first day he's back at Hogwarts, Hermione has to tell Harry to chill out like five times in order the Phoenix, you know, stop biting my head off, calm down. Harry ends up in, in detention, I think for like his entire first month of school, you know, carving into the back of his carving, you know, yeah. I mean, it's just, I mean, Umbridge is evil. Um, It's just, I mean, there's so much going on in that book that no one predicted. Do you know what I mean? Like, I mean, yes, okay, so we could guess at Bill and Fleur. That was pretty easy to guess. And, and Mundungus Fletcher, I really have to hold it We up were really we... bad about Mundungus <laughs> Fletcher. We didn't get that at all. You know, and the worst, well, at Arabella Fig, who was the most misge- misguessed character, I think, in all of fan fiction. Yeah, like, who um, could funk that? Come on. You know, I mean, yeah, but we had, um, you know, we had her being a teacher or something like that. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, I've, I mean, I've read so many stories where she was Sirius's girlfriend in disguise. I mean, that was a really common thing that people thought. How old did they think Sirius was at that point? Oh, they thought she was idea. young and that she was doing some charm to make herself look old and I don't know, blah, blah, blah. I mean, you know, so many stories about that. Um, you know, but but the big – I mean, no one predicted Umbridge. No one predicted what happened at the Department of Mysteries. No – I mean, if maybe somebody did. I'm sorry if somebody did. You know, I will find fiction, I'll books. read it. Yeah. But you know, no one, no one de- depicted like crazy Death Eater baby head things coming out of glass bell jars, and you know, I mean that. It's just like no one could have predicted that. And I think the way I felt at the end of that book was like, wow. I mean, I was just, I was like, wow, this book was really cool. This was great. You know. I hope I don't have to wait three years for the next one. And I kind of felt, I mean, this is one of the reasons I think I sort of stopped writing fan fiction is I felt like, I almost felt like what's the point of even trying to predict because I have no idea if that makes sense. Well, that's interesting. Did you see the role of after the end, you know, almost to predict or did you see it to kill time or did you like, what was, 
Well, it was to kill. Yeah, yeah, it was to kill time, but it was also to, to, yeah, to try to figure out what was going to happen. You know, try to guess based on what we knew what might happen at the end of these books. And um, I mean, that for me is what I like about reading and writing fan fiction. Is I mean, I like reading stuff where people figure out what happened before, um, but I, I, I think I much more like reading stuff about. You know, people trying to figure out missing moments or hidden scenes yeah. in in the sort of canon that we have, and I just felt like I was like I, I have no idea where this is going. You know, yeah. like I mean, I knew where it was go. I mean, I had some idea, obviously, but yeah, I just it sort of the last book sort of blew me away. Like we we had this whole dramatic shutting down of the Sugar Quill for like a month or something after the book came out. We were like, and you know, it was also that it was so serious. Yeah. No pun intended. Uh, but it was so, you know, I mean, and here we were, you know, we were all giddy about this book coming out and, you know, and just all happy and all this stuff, you know, da 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 and, you know, all our little jokes about all little characters. And, you know, then, I mean, the book ends and Sirius dies, you know, and yeah. we kind of felt like, okay, we're not going to have cutesy little jokes on our website anymore. We're not going to have a sense of humor anymore. You know, this is not fun. Yeah. You almost you know? <laughs> sound like the country after nine eleven. You're like, we cannot enjoy it. We, we this is it. I mean, it it was ex- it was a lot. I mean, it was. That's a really good analogy. Actually, yeah. It's like, will we ever have Leatherman again? Like, you know. yeah, exactly, exactly. So I don't remember what your original question was, but I can't. Well, no, it was. You actually <laughs> answered it without even realizing it. So that's a good person okay. to say. Yeah, I mean, well, that's good. What do you think of the death of Sirius? I mean, you wrote that you wrote Sirius so well that now, after Sirius is long and you know dead and you know buried behind the veil or wherever you do with him back there, you know, I found your fic you know years later and I you know I picked it up and read it and I'm like, okay, Sirius here. And then like on chapter thirteen, I'm like, whoa, Sirius is dead. Like it just it you, you get sucked back into it so much because you make him seem so layered and real and troubled and can I mention you had them fighting Dementors on a motorcycle and you know just you know just such an amazingly great character that you know okay so you wrote him you know that way and then you know he falls through a veil yeah well when I was reading the book I mean I mean I wasn't really thinking about after the end when I read the book you know, I mean, it wasn't like I was reading Order of the Phoenix and being like, oh, and that happened after the end. And uh, I mean, after the end was kind of far from my mind. And, you know, I mean, serious, I, I was sad that he died. I'm sad for Harry's sake that Harry is missing, you know, his godfather. But serious, you know, I mean, he was, I mean, and he's this way in After the End, too. I mean, he's, he's crazy. I mean,. He started off in life being a really intelligent, you know, coming from kind of a troubled family um, guy who was, you know, sort of expressed himself by being a little reckless and rebelling against, you know, whatever his parents believed in, you know. And then he gets locked up in prison for 14 years or however long, 12 years, 13 years, whatever it was, you know. And he just, um, you know, all through Order of the Phoenix, he's just like, I mean, he's being kind of a dick, you know. I mean, I could have killed him when he told Harry, like, you know, when he would say stuff to Harry, like, you know, your father would have, you know, broken the rules and, and, you know, risked, you know, risked, you know, the risk would have been fun for your father or whatever he said to him when Harry was like, no, serious, you can't leave the house. That kind of thing. I mean, you know, he's just, he was being obnoxious and, and... Can I imagine he attacked the fat lady for, like, no apparent reason either? Yeah, he attacked the fat lady while he was trying to, you know, 
he was trying to get into the dorm, I guess. But, it's got to be another one. Yeah, there's. Yeah, you know, I know. I mean, you know, so you're, you're, dropping off, you're dropping off a Christmas present. I mean, FedEx it. I mean, come on. You know, exactly. Like, you know, destroying the portrait is not going to help you get in the room. It's, yeah, I know. Well, that was one of those cases of, like, classical misdirection, kind of like the tongs. You're like, oh, my God, he's trying to get in to kill him. No, he was just dropping off a present. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, what? Yeah, but the dude escaped from Azkaban, but he couldn't get past the fat lady? That that was was funny to me about that. I know, he could just turn into a dog and... That doesn't really help him in this situation, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's probably what he did. But, you know, but he... The see now... This is where we get into why didn't that work? Because I mean you've got to assume that like Crookshanks goes in and out of the dorm all the time. Right? Because how the hell was Crookshanks getting out and getting back in? Or did students have to let him in? I'm assuming that, you know, maybe Hermione like lets him out and he comes is it he? So he and he yeah. comes back later. But how does he get into the dorm? Does someone have to let him in? Yeah, I'm sure maybe he just like camps out outside till Neville comes by and forgets okay. the password. Okay. What do you think? That, well, I, yeah, maybe there's a little trap door, you know, kind of like the doggy door. Maybe. Okay. Okay, that makes sense. <laughs> okay, see, we, we've solved another. You, they have canon conundrums on podcasts. Mm-hmm. We just have you know, the three of us and the doggy door. We do fine. I mean, to be honest, you know what I felt when a serious guy, this is an awful, awful thing to admit, but, you know, this is before Tonks and Remus was, was a known thing, and I thought, because the first person to really notice what happened besides Harry is Lupin. You know, and he's the one who's with Harry when Harry sees Sirius go through the veil. And I was thinking, how tragic Lupin has lost him again. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. No, I, 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 I mean, felt exactly Which it still way. is. It still is tragic. And that's still, you know, regardless of what their relationship was, they were friends. But that yeah. was the first thing. I mean, that was the person who I felt really bad for when Sirius went through the veil. I mentioned this in the last episode, but we're actually going to release it tonight. But um, I missed it. You missed it. Oh, yeah. You were reading yeah, so fast. I was reading so fast I missed it. I'm like, oh. <laughs> and I was telling the story. Um, there's a TV show that I, I introduced Danielle to, and there's a, it's the end of an episode where it's like it's the it's the strong female lead, and it's like the it's like the missionary type guy who's always loved her, and he's like 35, and he's still a virgin because he's holding out for this woman, and he's just like the nicest guy ever, and she never gives him the time of day really, and she ends up being. Uh, you know, badly hurt, and he actually you know through some sci-fi techno babble you know hooks her up to a machine and transfers his life energy into her. And, and like the, the episode ends with him saying, I love you. And then it goes to black. And I looked at and this guy was Dan- like, Danielle has more pictures of this guy in her bedroom than she has of me. And <laughs> I looked at her. I'm like, Oh, I thought you'd be upset that he died. And she looks up at me with like, you know, Dobby eyes. She's like, he died. <laughs> she didn't even notice. She didn't, she, well, I think she thought like he'd wake up or something. Like, I don't know, but I'm just like, Oh no, maybe he'll get better. i've had that happen with me in books though you know i actually missed i actually missed the part in um order the phoenix where hermione gives ron like a kiss on the cheek before the quidditch game i I missed that that yeah yeah i missed that because i was reading too fast we actually have i have you know some friends i'm going to read the next book with and we've actually made a pact which i hope i can stick to which is that we're going to you know like read three chapters at a time and then take half hour breaks or 15 minute breaks and wait for everybody to catch up because everybody reads at different paces and, um, you know, talk about what we read so far. I have to do that because I'm actually going to be in a room with half of the people on the, on the podcast. We're actually going to all get together in Brooklyn and we're going to read it together. And my biggest fear is, well, my biggest fear is I read Half-Blood Prince with Danielle and she was like a page ahead of me. So she kept laughing. (laughs) 
<laughs> it's like when Arthur makes the joke about the airplanes, she starts laughing. And I'm a page behind. I'm like, what? What? Because I'm still with Dumbledore and Harry in the tool shed. I'm like, what? What's funny? What's funny? Like, it's like, so, like, it got so unnerving, I had to go home. So, we're going to have to put, like, Mac in the doorway and, like, put she in the basement. We're going to have to, like, sick that half that half blood prince uh Harry Potter hater guy has like a whole like three paragraphs about like how stupid it is that Arthur can't figure out how airplanes stay up because I mean it's just science and you can just pick up a, a book and read it. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's true. They've never needed science though. <laughs> yeah, I mean if you don't know what it is, then why yeah, would you know exactly. to look it up? I always thought that was that was just a weird scene for me because I'm like, okay, apparently the burrow's safe again, and apparently Harry just wasn't really that depressed and serious died. So everything I just read in fan fiction was crap. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm like, maybe we're thinking just more deeply than she is. But here's my question: You said if you had a red pen, you'd cut it down to 300 pages. So you wrote this thing years ago. Uh-huh. So if we take Phil's copy of After the End and we put it in front of you and give you a red hey. pen. <laughs> What what's gonna change? What do you wish you didn't do? What do you wish you did differently? What, what would you do now? Um, hmm, hmm. I don't know. I'd have to like go back and and reread it and really decide. I mean, I think I you know I don't know. I mean, the thing is, like, do we need to have all these? Do we need to care about all these characters? I mean, we have like eight hundred points of view going on. You know, um, I I just. I don't know. You know, it's kind of like, you know what After the End reminds Did either of you guys see the movie Love Actually? Yes. Oh, yeah. We've made okay. that comparison like 50 times, and we all yeah. love Love Actually. We've all made that comparison. Yeah. I mean, I like that movie, but I, like, as a movie, I was just, I was like, this could have been five movies. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. my, wife, the- I, my wife and I came out of the theater, and, and we both looked at each other, and, and we and my wife said, "So much love," and I said, "Yeah, <laughs> I know. There was there was so much love in that movie. It was so. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, I mean, it kind of annoyed me to be honest. I mean, I I thought it was a good movie, but I was like, you know, I mean, like the Colin Firth thing could have been its own movie. It could have yeah. been a really good beautifully done movie actually like really delving into both of those characters like i wanted to know a lot more about both of those characters in that movie i mean i always want to know more about colin firth but that's my own and um hello what's that it's a hello <laughs> hello um you know i mean some of the and some of the some of the people i mean i just would have cut out like i really didn't give a crap about kira knightley and that dude who liked her or whatever i mean i was just like oh whatever that's your best friend's wife go away you know i mean like that whole thing just bugged me so i you know i mean maybe what i would have done with after the end in retrospect is um you know really tightened it up and made it more of like a hairy point of view story and you know all that like fleur stuff for example could have been you know outtakes or that's really interesting other stories or something like that it's interesting Um, because so many of the people that you know, or on the forums and review it, they actually, the chapters they actually like the least mm-hmm. are the Harry perspective. The Harry ones. perspective. Because yeah. we get so much yeah. of that. From, it's like we want to know, you know, like, like I'll just jump back to, you know, the chapter where Fleur's at the meeting with the guy who's, like, she could shoot his wife in the head and he'd be like, you know, can I offer you some coffee? Like, right. And she's like, you know, I'm bored with men. And she's talking about, you know, like the, when she was like 11, 17 year olds were hitting on her and scared her. And, you know, like all the, I'm like, you know what? That must be like 
when you stop to think about you know being an eleven year old Vila, it's terrifying. But you never think of that, you know, when you're at the you know the Quidditch World Cup and you see Vila walking out, like your your brain just doesn't go there. So I always thought that was just like a really unique way of just looking at like a character that you would never consider any other way. Yeah, and, yeah. And I and I love it because I'm one of those people that you know. Sometimes I'll have like a really firm position. You can't change me, but sometimes like I I really try and like consider everyone's point of view. So when you do like the chapters where you know Ginny's fighting Ron, you know right. you, you see Ginny's perspective, and by the end of it, I'm Ginny's cheerleader. I'm you know, go get him. He's a bastard. You know, slashes talk, and then you get Ron's perspective, and I'm just like that bitch. Yeah. <laughs> like, and, like, and I'm like, Ginny did it to me again. Like it's like. I'm that way with the, I'm that way with the British royal family. Like there used to be sort of two competing, not competing, but documentaries about Prince Charles and Princess Diana that used to run on public television, you know. And the Prince Charles, and it, neither one of them really focused on their personal life, personal personal lives. You know, it was more like how good they are. They go to charity auctions, and this is how they grew up, and blah blah blah. You know, but you'd watch the one on Princess Diana, and you'd be like, she's such a wonderful person. I can't believe her bastard husband did that to her. You know, and then you'd watch the Prince Charles one like the next week, and you'd be like, "He's such a beautiful man. He does so many good things for the farmers and for architecture." You know, I can't believe he married that bitch. You know, I mean, it's just <laughs> that's what you did to me. Like literally, I was at my desk, and there was the scene when, um, like, like usually, like, I, like I've listened, I've read the story before, so like I just listen to it while I'm at work just to kind of catch up and brush up so I know what I'm talking about in the podcast. And it was the chapter where Ginny and Harry are having the conversation like in Lupin Lodge and they break up for a couple of months. Yeah. And like my phone yeah, was ringing and I was like literally picking up my phone saying, please hold. And I'm putting the people on hold and I'm just sitting there listening because I'm like, oh my God, this is so sad. <laughs> I don't want to hear that. <laughs> I feel like, uh, what's the guy who created dynamite, you know? <laughs> I don't make the I don't drop the bombs. I just make them, right? Yeah, exactly. Oh, but no, there's like yeah. there's chapters like that where I'm just like, oh my god, I can't like I like I have to take the rest. Of the, it's like the, when I was reading the Da Vinci Code and got to the chapter at the guy's house where he explains what everything's happening. Like I had to take personal time at work and keep reading. I'm like I, 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 I'm like I have to keep reading. This is fascinating, but. Yeah, I mean, I think that's one of just the great things about the story is that, like, I was joking, you know, are we going to get Lawrence the butler's perspective? You know, like, yeah. it, it, <laughs> I, don't know. I just, I thought that was one of the best parts of it, that, that you got to see with all these different characters are thinking, and you never really get to see that. Like, I'm actually just flipping through, you know, the um, the Ask Arabella and Genia, which I'm pronouncing right now, by the way. Mm-hmm, uh, you are. Se- section on the, on the forum, and everyone was asking, you know, why did you make Charlie such... You know, main character when Bill, I'm sorry, when Fred and George are kind of, you know, background characters, but, you know, Charlie has like four lines in the whole book and, you know, he becomes this major character. I mean. Well, I know why we did that. Why'd you do it? Because <laughs> he's hot. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> Thank you for being honest. <laughs> we had this whole, we had like, you know, I mean, we had this whole joke sort of going. I went away on a trip to um, England. It was like March of 2001, and I stopped in an internet cafe at some point. You know, I'd been away from the computer for like four or five days, and there must have been like 50 emails in my inbox, and they all had a subject line that had something to do with loincloth. <laughs> you know, Meg and a bunch of our other friends from the Sugar Quill heads, I don't know how they had even gotten on the topic of like Weasleys and loincloths and how funny that would be, but, you know, Charlie just sort of, I think, evolved from that whole like loincloth in joke thing. So. You know. Alright, Charlie in the towel has literally like taken over this podcast, I just have to tell you. 
Yeah, I know, I know. But you know, Charlie and the Towel is great. So, I mean, it's like, <laughs> I mean, it, and I don't, I don't know, because I don't get the sense if Charlie is. I think Charlie used to be pretty a pretty popular character to speculate about in fan fiction. I don't know if he's as popular now. I mean, I think part of it for me is that I always wanted an older brother, and I never had one. I mean, I'm not that I was thinking of an older brother who would be hot in a loincloth, but I think which is kind of um, like the thing we were thinking about earlier. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I knew we'd top erectile dysfunction in this podcast. Oh, we had. To. Um, <laughs> but uh, you know. I, this, you know, I don't know, just they're, you know, they're kind of fun to explore. I think, you know, unfortunately, I mean, I think there have been some wonderful fan fictions dealing with Fred and George and, um, you know, and trying to make them seem like separate characters and so on and so forth. But it is, it is kind of hard to work with Fred and George a little bit. I don't know. I mean, we could have made them main characters. We just, we just bonded more with Bill and Charlie. Who, yeah. who do you think you would rather have as an older brother, Bill or Charlie? Um, because I, in, in all fairness, I wanted to strangle well, Charlie for about three chapters. Yeah, I think Bill probably is who I would rather have as the older brother. No, he's a classic older child, oldest child. Yeah, he's more protective. Yeah, and um, not quite as impulsive, you know. Mm-hmm. If they would be brother. the one that you'd want looking out for you. Yeah, exactly. If they were the brothers that lived across the street from your house, which one of them would you date? Um. I'd probably still Bill. <laughs> would you rather really, see? Would you rather really see in the loincloth? <laughs> but I'd rather see Charlie in the loincloth. I was going for that one. I'm like, uh, I'm like, get her to say it. I'm like, get her to say it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You know. I mean, it's like Lost. I like watching Lost. There's for Sawyer. Sawyer with a shirt. Sawyer off. and yep. yeah. But you know, my wife not, swears that you know when the show started, she hated him. She hated that character. I no, do she too. Loves him. Yeah, yeah, she loves yeah. him though. Yeah, I love him too. But um, <laughs> would I date him? Oh well, yeah, probably if I was on an island. And, I don't know. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> can you please tell us if it's Delia or Delia? It's Delia. Thank you. Good. How many people right. have never heard that name? <laughs> we're like sitting right. here, and we're like, we finally pronounced Shenya, and now we're like. We just started calling her the thinker because we're like we we don't know what her name is we can't pronounce it. It's oh, and also, yeah. um, is it uh, is it Culperet? Yes. Okay, good. Culperet. I think you because I've heard people one. say almost like Culperet, uh, which I thought was kind of odd. I have no, a post here from Mac. Okay, we did Culperet. You're Genia. Uh huh. All right, B A R K N A P. I thought I told you that in an email. You did, but it's, I need you to say it. It's Barknap. Barknap. Thank you. I'm yeah. right. She is wrong. Okay, expect out How did she think it was? Barnap. Oh, yeah, no, Barknap. There's a K in it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm There's okay. a freaking K in it. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> it's well, it's a vo- silent K. It's Voldemort. Okay. <laughs> and it's Expecto Sacrificum? Um, Is that the spell? Expecto, expecto Sacrificum. I have to check with Meg on that one, how she wants to pronounce that. <laughs> because before we started editing the podcast to make it PG, I had 74 takes where it was Expecto Sacrificum. <laughs> oh, <laughs> and I'm just like crap. I have to say it again. And I just like there, there's one night like I just started calling it the spell because I just couldn't do it. You know, when I was reading the story in my head, it was expecto expecto sacrificium, almost like sacrifice. So I said I said sacrificium. It was never sacrificum, 
it, you know, looking at it now, I realize I was probably mispronouncing it in my head all that time, but that's that was how it was in, in my brain. Sounds like you're coughing up phlegm. I think we each have one last question for you, which was what we said 10 minutes ago, but we lied. So what do you want? Yes, we did. All right. My question's easier, so I'll just go first. What does 87 mean? I can't tell you that. Okay. Phil? <laughs> okay. Um, my question is not not quite that simple. Um you had said before that you really wish that you could get back into writing fan fiction again. Do you ever see yourself going back in, not not going back into After the End at all. I mean, that story is, the book is closed on that story. But do you ever see yourself, after the seventh book comes out, going back and writing once again the eighth year, basically from scratch, knowing what you would, would know after that seventh book came out? Do you, do you see yourself doing that? Hmm, I... I can't say. I don't know. I mean, I just like it. Maybe, um, maybe not. I mean, I, I mean, my goal, my goal, even in writing fan fiction, I think has always been to try to, at some point, be able to write my, um, you know, my own original fiction somehow. And so, you know, I hope that I, I hope when Harry Potter books are over, that I can actually maybe come up with some ideas to write something that's original. So I'd like to think that I would be really good and focus on that instead. But I don't know. I mean, it depends on what the last line of the book is. You know? I mean... It's have Scar in it, right? It, yeah, it's supposed Somewhere. to end with Scar, right? <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, I mean, I... You I can could, write a book could, called After the Scar. Yeah, After the Scar. <laughs> <laughs> there must be a fan fiction out there called Scarface. I mean, <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> well, with with um, you know, back when you wrote after the end, it was a pretty original concept to go all the way past the seventh book and into the eighth book. And I would assume that after after we do get through Deathly Hallows, that that's what every fanfic will be. Every fanfic out there, every new fanfic will probably be starting with the eighth year. So. Uh, you're right in that it wouldn't necessarily stand out maybe as much as as after the end did because you you did take that leap. But uh, I was just curious about that. Yeah, I I don't know. I can't say. I just just because I don't know the answer to that. Did Meg write her own book? Um, she is in the process of writing um, some books. I mean, some she has a lot of she's a very prolific writer. Okay, and she is working on original fiction that she would like to have published someday. That was the so. question. She's not on the sugar quill anymore, is she? Um, I mean, not really. I mean, she's around. I mean, she's my friend, but she doesn't post a lot. She's busy writing on her you know, boyfriend's forehead with the magic marker. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Um, yeah. Okay, I just tell you here, too. I'm looking on the for- Like, I'm asking. I'm trying to ask questions people ask. Like, they asked, did she write anything and stuff? And I, 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 to be honest, I have no idea what the hell 87 is. I just saw the question. So I'm like, oh, I'll ask it. And I, I asked it. And then as you're answering it, I'm reading the next line, which is, I know you're not going to answer, but I'm like, I wish I read that before. <laughs> <laughs> 87 is the magic number of the sugar quill. Okay. And, um, you know, it's a whole rite of passage. There's a whole group of sugar quill members who have guessed the meaning of the number 87 and are sworn to secrecy but um, i remember i think it was uh, chapter 42 actually uh, that you were you were all very happy because it turned out to be 87 pages was that yeah. what ended up happening with that yeah. one because it's the longest yeah. chapter in the book that's not the origin of 87 87 no i knew that, that. i just re- yeah. I, I had seen it i had seen it before that but i remembered uh, everybody uh, on the inside laughing about it me going oh, okay well <laughs> <laughs> whatever <laughs> that's fine i'll i'll read 87 pages and be happy about it it's actually really convenient to have a lucky number like that like I use it for everything now, 
you know, need a random number? Pick 87. <laughs> it works. So, but I can't reveal. I can't reveal. I had no idea it was that big when I asked. I'm like, oh, 87. What's that mean? <laughs> I feel like going to your frequently asked questions. Can you tell me what 87 is? The number, the number of times per day that she's asked what that number means. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I think so. I'm out of questions. Phil, you got anything else? No, I think I think we should we should probably let Jenny go. <laughs> she seems like she's 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 been very gracious to be with us almost three hours like this. So uh, she's like, I don't want to I don't want to burden her. She's hanging on to the side of the, of the, yeah. of the desk. I well, I know I'm having fun. I am having fun. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. I missed Jen. I guess she got uh, stuck I'm, in some drywall or something. Like I'm gonna that. have to send her the thing because she's gonna come back. How did it go? How did it go? Well, Jen is so funny because she was actually in the middle of a tornado once, and she actually called me there, apologized for being late for the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> she's like the nicest, sweetest person you're ever gonna meet in the world. I'm like, you know what? When your roof is being ripped off your house, it's okay not to call me back. <laughs> I'm gonna get mad at you. <laughs> It's oh, hilarious. So uh, no, I, I will I will wrap up with a with a fanboy type of statement and just say that. Uh, uh, and if you could pass this along to Meg as well, this this story was uh, it affected me very deeply, much much deeper than I had thought that it would. Um, I've got a, I've got a, a whole post on the forums that talks about how I came across it, and so I won't go into that right now. But I, I just wanted to let you know that uh, this this was something that that it was much more than than just a good fanfic for me. And I think that's the way a lot of people feel about it. It, it was, it was deeply emotional. It, uh, you know, it tapped, it tapped into areas of my own emotions that, that I honestly didn't even know were there. And, and I really honestly and truly wanted to, to thank both of you for, for writing it because it's, it's in a lot of ways. Uh, I, I know, I know if I said it changed my life, I would sound like I've gone over the deep end and I don't mean it quite that way, but it, it did in a lot of ways. It, it, it kind of opened my eyes. I do feel like I handle relationships better now. I'm, Aww. I'm able to, because of the perspectives that, that you've shown in that story, I'm able to, to see things from other people's perspective. Like we were talking about earlier, when, when, when you get into arguments, you tend to only see your side of it. And, mm-hmm. and after reading this, I feel like I'm, I'm better at, at seeing other perspectives. And it, was, it, it, it profoundly affected me, and, and, and I, I've, I've always loved it. And, and I, I, like I said at the beginning of this conversation, I love this story so much that I can't read it very often. It, it affects me very, very deeply. And, and so I emotionally can't read it you know, two or three times a year. I, I, I usually only... Uh, come back to it every so often, and this this podcast has has been great because it's really given me the opportunity to to come back into the story, you know, full blown and and read it from from cover to cover and and soak in all those things that just struck me uh, so much the first time. So uh, just once again, on, and on behalf, I think of everybody who loves the story, we wanted to just thank you most profoundly for for taking the time and for writing it. It's it's truly a, a wonderful wonderful piece of work. Aww. Told you we make you cry. Yeah, thank, thank you, Phil. I, I, I mean, I'm glad. Thank you. Honestly, thank you. I don't have thank, anything thank to you. say except I'm glad that that it was able to touch you that way. And then, yeah, I'm just I'm always happy when people find books and writing that reach out to them in some way. So I'm glad that the story was the one that did it for you. And I'm just going to read this to you. This is um, something that was written on our forum. 
I remember that right before I read this fic, I was feeling so down in myself. I was really at the low point in my life and had just gotten out of a terrible relationship and was feeling absolutely overwhelmed by life and college and being away from home and all that mess. And I think I was sick and had stayed home one day from class and I had my laptop and was just sitting in my bed and I started reading After the End. After the End is so special to me because this is the first story that I've ever read that gave me a full ride of all my emotions in one go. I laughed literally out loud. I cried, really wept at parts. I ached, I cringed, I smiled, and I hoped. The story gave me hope. I remember ending one chapter and just taking a moment and sitting it next to me and laying down and bawling my eyes out. I remember ending one scene and laying down and being so absolutely content with myself. I remember cringing at the end of each scene in fear that it would that it would end or be over. No other fic has ever given me quite this ride. It left me breathless. It left me content. It left me wanting. It left me hopeful. It left me happy. After the end, has a special place in my heart because every time I read it, and I mean every time I read it, I go through each of these emotions again and again. It never gets old or repetitious for me. Every time I read a new feeling, it's like experiencing it for the first time. It allows me to feel. I know that sounds awfully girly and emotionally, but it's the truth, dead truth. I have a very difficult time expressing many of my emotions, but I feel them so largely. After the end, at times, allows me to get them out. Sometimes I need to cry. I just need to. Sometimes I need to laugh. It's like therapy, except with hope instead of acceptance. After the end inspires me to be a better person. It inspires me to love and feel with all of my being. It allows me to grieve and feel the loss of things that I've gone through. It makes it okay to feel angry and okay to feel sad. It's like coming back to a best friend. So as mushy and gushy as this all sounds, it's why I adore After the End so much. I am such a fangirl at times, it doesn't even come across to me as fan fiction or just plain fiction. I see these characters as living, breathing people. I'm close to them, I know them, I am comfortable with them. They, in their own way, experience life, and I, in watching them experience things, allow myself to accept things I've gone through, work through them, and move on. The story inspires me, it gives me hope of tomorrow. Aww, who wrote that? That was Jen. Aww. That is beautiful. I thought I'd throw that out there since she didn't get to be here tonight. Yeah, so aw. Where did she write that? Did she post that on the Yeah, forum? that's actually on the forum. You can actually pull that up here. Oh. Well, so. I mean, the, I hope you will leave this in the podcast because Meg is going to have to listen to this because um, she probably will cry. I absolutely will. And I'll actually, I'm going to cut and paste um, Phil's little tribute to it. Please and to do. And I'll email them to you now, and I have one of my own that I'll send along to. So. Oh, you're not going to read yours? I actually haven't written it yet. Oh. <laughs> I was editing the last episode, and I haven't had a chance yet. But I, I, It's I, in I, his heart. It's in my heart. That's right. <laughs> Throw me a freaking bone. <laughs> oh. well, and and this, uh, this podcast has been great, Ryan. I... I can't thank you enough for allowing me in at all, and especially for this particular episode, because one of the things that I that I felt uh, when I got to the end of the story was I want to I want to give them something, you know I want to I want to give them back, uh, 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 you know Genia and Arabella. I want to just give them something. I, I don't have anything I can give them, but I want to give back to them in any way that I can. And, and this podcast has, uh, especially once again, this episode. Has, has given me an opportunity where I feel I at least have, have had a forum now where I can say thank you. Thank you so much. It's, it's, it's been a great ride, and, and I, I would not have changed a thing. So thanks, Ryan, as well, for, for allowing me in. Hey, no problem. Yeah, thanks, Ryan, for having this wonderful, wonderful podcast. No problem. Which, it, yeah, it was one of those things when we decided to do it, the first fic was going to be after the end. It wasn't even a question. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Well, I've 
Since we're all thanking each other, I have really enjoyed listening to this podcast and and just, you know, I, I don't know. It's just been really fascinating for me to, to hear people talk about something that I had a part in writing. And, um, you know, sometimes it's been kind of hilarious because I'll be in the car and I'll be like, no, 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 that's not what we meant or, um, you know. A lot of times, actually, with you, you're the one who pulls it out, Ryan. You're always like, you know, I think what they meant was blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And usually you're right. Um, so that's cool also. What got um, me? But, um, yeah, go you. But um, I think, you know, and I think I, I've been sort of – I haven't spent a lot of time on your forums. But, I, you know, from what I see is happening there, I mean, I really do think you, you know, you started this website and you seem to be creating this great community. So, um you know, I think probably the friends that you're making through Potterfic Weekly, you'll probably have for a long time. I definitely think so, so too. That's I hope. a good thing. Well, so you never like, like. Let me even ask you this: like, when you started the Sugar Quilt, did you think it would be as big as it got? <laughs> oh no, 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 <laughs> not at all, not at all. We were surprised when, like, you know, we had 20 members yeah. on that site. We were really surprised when someone, you know, who we didn't know, sent us a story to post. I mean, no. No idea. I had no idea either. We actually didn't ask Jen to be on one of our first episodes because we thought she was the listener. <laughs> <laughs> we had no idea yeah. if Phil was out there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And now here I am. Exactly. You have two listeners at least. Exactly. I actually put the counter up on Perfect Weekly just to see how many people we actually got. I'm like, if there's more than five, we'll do another episode. You know how many people listen? Uh, yeah, I think. We were ranging between like a hundred and fifty and two hundred and fifty each episode. That's really good. Yeah. That's awesome. Really cool. We're very excited. Congratulations. Well, I think we're all crashing now. We're like, this is good. <laughs> yeah. I have to go to work in about yeah. twenty minutes. What what time is it in the Philippines? I never even asked it, you that. Well, I'm working I'm working strange hours. I'm working from one PM to ten thirty PM. Uh, oh, okay. so it's about it's almost it's almost noon here. It's Twelve so hours ahead of us. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So. Yeah. Okay. Well have fun at work. <laughs> I will. <laughs> I always do. It's been it's been lovely talking to you. This is yes, great. thank you very much. All right. Go to bed, Jenny. Okay, thank you. Thank you, you both. I can't call you Jenny. I have to call you Jenny. Why am I doing You that? can call me Jenny. I can that's or my I can't. That's my name. You why, can. But why Most do people I, do. But why do I not? I don't know. I mean, people do call me Zhenya too. Well, mostly, mostly so Hungarians, but that's okay. I just like are you that. Hungarian? Am I? No, but I lived in no. Hungary. Yeah, I am Hungarian. So uh, are you? That's really? why I, I was like, always able to pronounce the name. Are you Hungarian? Like, did you grow up in Hungary? I'm, I, or no, no, no. I'm Hungarian. Hungarian. My, oh, my father is, is a full Hungarian, and um, so yeah, it's, I've got my last name. As you can see it on the thing, it, it's Schultz. not easy to pronounce. Yeah, yeah very good. <laughs> wow, I don't even pronounce it that well. <laughs> nice job. Thank you. Yeah, I love Hungarian. I think it's a, I think it's a logical and beautiful language. Yeah. And I, I wish I spoke it. it. Yeah, it's you know, <laughs> not that many people do speak it. No, I just tell you when I got on Skype tonight, I tried to look for you, like in advance, Genya, to look up your account just to put you on my list. Do you know how many Genyas there are on Skype? No, are there a lot? Yeah. Really? <laughs> They're all from Hungary. I'm <laughs> They're all Hungary. <laughs> she'll, she'll call me. Yeah, Genya, thanks for doing it. Oh, Jenny, I'm doing it now. I'm going to make a clean break of it. Jenny, thank you so much for doing this. This is awesome. No problem. I had fun. Thanks, guys. No problem. Okay, take care. Have a good, have a good night. Have a thank good night. You. Bye. 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 All right, you too. There's something missing here.
What is it? Oh, there it is. And we're back with uh, Jen and Jules from our forum, and we have uh, Arabella and Jenya here with us, and they're in the same room, and they're, like, I think, hiding at opposite ends of the room. They're at Phoenix Rising right now in New Orleans. Hey, guys, how you doing? Very well, thanks. It's a pleasure to be here. It's an absolute pleasure to be here. Now, Megan, Arabella, whatever I'm calling you, I have no idea what to call you. It's, it's nice to meet you. Oh, it's nice to meet you, too. So that's my question. Where'd you come? Where'd you come up with Arabella? Where'd that come from? <laughs> it was really funny. We were just talking about this last night. If I had, if I had had any idea that Arabella was going to stick as long as it did, um, I probably would have picked a different name. I, I just, I was going by Megan Kelly, which was the fan fiction name I used on Pemberley.com when I was writing Jane Austen fanfic, and I decided that I wanted to be more anonymous than that just picked sort of an obscure Harry Potter character and went with Arabella and um, had no idea. I thought I was going to write one fanfic and then I was going to walk away. How did that work out? Well, Jenny caught me. Jenny emailed me and said, I saw your fanfic. I know about you. And then then things went from there. (laughs) Well, it doesn't get to be my real question. I get to ask again. All right. If you could name yourself, if you could name yourself anything else, what would it be? This is one step beyond you could be a farm animal. (laughs) I'm going to be really lame and just say, now that it's been Arabella for like seven years, I don't think it could be anything else. But it's very girly. And I'm not all, well, like, I don't know. (laughs) It's kind of a girly name. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, I'm fine with it. It's, it's good. It doesn't really come from anywhere significant, unfortunately. Sorry. So I should have made something up. Um, and on you being girly, I've heard about you. I really Jenny relate to Arabella Fagg. I really relate to... <laughs> In what way? <laughs> um, you know, just the cats and the, you know, knowing that you are magical, being unable to perform said magic, really understand that. <laughs> <laughs> he smells like cat. <laughs> I smell like a cat. Okay, Mo is feeding also. cancer. <laughs> yeah. All right. Who, who up next? I forget who's next. Jules, are you next? Jen, you're, Jen, you're next. We're going in alphabetical order. So forget okay. what happened last time. I want to know what scene you recall most vividly, even after all this time that you have you know, been reading it and you've ended writing it. Um, and if that scene is something that you remember because you just really liked it, or if that scene is something that you remember because it was just like, you know, writing in hell. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, most vividly. Johnny, do you have one off the top of your head? You know, I remember poor, poor, serious, standing on a rock, looking out towards Colbert. His long hair, no, his short hair. He <laughs> short hair, not blowing in the <laughs> You have to forgive her. She has a lot of problems. <laughs> no, I have to tell you, when we were talking to her the other day, she was explaining the differences in your writing style. She's like, I would say, I would write down serious with standing on a rock. 
And she would take Ceres and Sandy Rock and make it into this two-page, you know, beautifully vivid description of him on the rock and all of his problems and all of the stuff. And all I got to obey with was, you know, Ceres. Oh, she's so watch. full of it. She's trying to hand away more credit. That, that's not that's not correct at all. Jenny wrote a yeah. lot of Jenny. The Canolio is all Jenny's. That was hers, and that I think is like a really beautiful scene. I remember that. Oh. Well. Jenny yeah. cried incessantly during that scene. I did cry during that scene. Oh, I just love the Ceres on the rock scene. That's a great thing. Did you did you like it or did you was it just something that we're torturing ourselves to get through? Well, you mean that particular scene? Or just I'm sorry? I mean that particular scene? Yeah. The one of more serious scenes. Well, I guess the reason yeah, I mean that was one of the early scenes and I guess like for me I'm more nostalgic about the earlier scenes because we had um written them like, when we started writing the story, I don't, you know, we sort of wrote a bunch of little scenes, and then we're trying to figure out how the hell this would go together in a story. <laughs> Thanks for, like, slats in the little Venetian blind here. And um, <laughs> it's funny. Um, so, you know, like, so scenes like that are ones that, you know, we might have had, like, three paragraphs written for, like, weeks and weeks and weeks, and we just weren't sure how it was all going to fit together. So those are, those are the ones that I really remember the best, and... I don't remember them being off. I remember not being able to wait to finish working on them. How about you, Meg? I what, I had so much fun writing that story. I had the best time I think I've ever had writing anything. I was really into it, and it, it was fun. We both wrote it with a lot of love. I mean, we just had the best time, and everybody got in on it. All of our friends had things to add, and... No, I wasn't. There were certain there were certain chapters, especially if <laughs> the really late, really long chapter from <laughs> Hell, for example. I remember I remember that taking a really long time, and I remember finally, yeah, you have to eventually power through a chapter that sort of overwhelms you like that. You have to eventually, okay, I'm going to write this, come hell or high water, and as you're writing it, sometimes if you think, okay, this sucks, you just think, well, you know what, I'm just going to keep writing it. I'll have to come back and change that later. But <laughs> that was. Um, no, it was never like a hassle. The only part of writing the well, I'll, we'll get to that part later. Um, I'm trying to think of like the most vivid scenes for me. It's funny, like the ones that really stick. Eloise Midgen showing up and Ron being like, "Oh my God, what a hottie that is!" <laughs> for some reason, um, that's a hilarious scene. Uh, Draco in prison being just, like, completely beaten and Ginny not knowing really what to do with that sticks with me. And I'm trying to think. Oh, Ron taking Hermione to her uh, Hermione's parents' house after he's had it all fixed up. That really gets me. But that wasn't even her idea. That was my sister's idea. She was like, he should fix her house. They are like, dude, you really should. So that became, like, this really touching storyline that wasn't even supposed to be in there. No, but that plan the whole time, because you had her chapters, you know, run off doing something and no one knows what yeah, they're doing. Yeah, it, it was planned, uh, like, from, it, luckily after the end is so long, that after getting into, you know, 12 or 15 chapters of it, we still had room to plant seeds for things to come later. <laughs> and we had all this outline. Tell them about that, because we were just reminiscing about the crazy outlines that we had. I, had. I knew we had done outlines, but I had forgotten until Meg reminded me this morning about, like, we had this outline that we circulated to all of our friends and everybody had a different color font and a different, you know, and there was just, it was like a chat, <laughs> except it was a Word document. It was like blue and red. And yeah. We'd say, here's what we want to write about. Here's what we, we're thinking. Here are our sort of character synopses of where we think everybody is. And 
we passed it to um, Dee Bennett, for example, who took it and returned it to us with 15 paragraphs of blue font and was like, here's what I think. And <laughs> we, uh, we gave it to Jedi Boadicea, and she was like, so where's the plot? <laughs> and we said, well, it's about people who love each other and eventually kiss. And she was like, well, no, where's the plot? There's going to need to be some, some plot, for example, dragons. And we were like, oh, damn it. And then we had to come up with the whole Dementor Dragon thing because she wouldn't let us get away with just um, kissing and making out. I don't probably everybody seen Shrek except for me, and there is dragon romance in that movie. What? Have you ever seen the movie Shrek? There is dragon oh, yeah. romance in that movie. I'm going to we see that tonight. Had, we could have had, like, dragon shipping, Norbert Mordor shipping. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's Norbert and Mordor, and they're like, we don't have jobs anymore. Draco's and, Draco's and you know, Harry's dragons, a forbidden love. It's like Romeo and Juliet. a boy dragon? Norbert? Is it a girl? Boy. It's a boy. It's a boy? That would be the slash. Mordor could be a girl. Yeah, Mordor could be a girl. You're right. uh, Draco just calls her Mordor because he doesn't want anyone to know he's riding a girl dragon. <laughs> yeah, her real name's like Bitsy or something. Her real name's Bitsy Lou. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Okay, so I, I'm an author and a beta, too, and I guess the thing that I'm most curious about is the writing process and the um, the beta-ing process. Did you, like, finish a chapter and ship it off to your betas, and did you use more than one beta, or did you, I don't know, it stuff is. like that is what I'm interested in. There's two of our betas sitting right here with us. They do. Oh, betas! There's two of them. Um, Moe and B. Bennett are sitting here, and they dated a lot of the story, and so did um, Hallie. Uh, she did our UK beta. She would look over a lot of the chapters for Britishisms that were out of place. Um, I misused a lot of Britishisms when I started writing fanfic because I just didn't know what words meant. Like, I thought Starkers meant crazy, so I would use it as if it meant crazy, but it, in fact, means naked. People <laughs> <laughs> Like, why does Ron say Hermione is naked? And I was like, no, you said she's crazy. <laughs> no, you, you said she's naked. <laughs> Great. <laughs> so we definitely needed those, um, the, the UK data. Um, Kathy, Eleanor Gamgee from the Sugar Quill yeah. did a lot of comma correction. She was sort of like our comma Nazi. And um, there's some people who I didn't even know. Like, like really there were did it. Yeah. Melissa and Nelly sometimes would read them. Um, I'm trying to think. Anybody else who did a lot of it? There was a lot. Honeychurch and Lollybrock at the beginning did help with that stuff. Yeah, yeah they did mostly. They gave ideas. They gave a lot of... I was remembering, like, they gave a re- lot of really good ideas. throughout. And I was looking through parts of the story, and, like, we sank, like, Honeychurch at the top of, like, almost every chapter in the beginning because of all the ideas she gave us. She's a good idea giver. <laughs> Did you send it to the your plot medicine first before you sent it to the correction people, or did you send them out to, out to the same to everybody at once? Um, well, here's how a beta process really works on anything that I'm writing. Um, this is Megan Arabella. Anything that I'm involved in writing, it goes like this. <laughs> <laughs> you want to talk about your your dying grandmother and Meg is good. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, no, I, I would I would finish a draft of anything and immediately want to know what someone thinks. So send it immediately without even reading over it. I'm like, oh, yes, it's finished. 
And I send it to everybody, and about five minutes later, I've read through the first eight pages of it. I have found eight no. typos, and I'm like, oh, my God. So I just send out a message. And then 15 minutes later, I send a new one, and I read through it again, and I realize, oh, my God, none of this can happen in this chapter. Absolutely not. This is ridiculous. Everybody, people need to kiss, like, six chapters from now. This is not happening. I'm rewriting it. Don't read this one. So people get really annoyed and irritated. <laughs> And eventually, after 18 drafts of a chapter, it's finished. Wow. <laughs> that's how it really works. I, I think that's how it works with me a lot, too. I just send it off, and then I realize, what was I thinking? And then, yeah. Fanfic is sort of dangerous in a lot of ways just because it's instant gratification, instant feedback, and you can get sort of addicted to that, to finishing a chapter and wanting it immediately to be read. <laughs> While we're on this train of thought, do you, I know that it's been a, a while since you finished the, the story. I mean, are the reviews still massive? I mean, are people still... You know, I know that when y'all were writing it, I'm sure... All the time. Like, I, I don't check review repositories anymore. Like, I don't go to the story online and look at the reviews, but once every several months I'll think, oh, you know, I haven't looked at those in a while. But mm-hmm. people still send stuff through email, which is pretty amazing. Jenny's always forwarding me something that's been sent to the sugar quill. And it's always, like, really flattering and humbling. I can't believe people are still reading it after all this time, and I almost feel like, you know, don't do it. Like, it's all wrong now, because we always like writing in canon, or at least in you know, hopes this canon, and now that we know how many things are obviously different from that story, it's kind of like, well, who would want to read that anymore? Hey, have you ever heard oh, of no, it, And that's really cool. It's really, it's really flattering and awesome. Nick, have you ever oh, heard no. of a guy named Phil? Phil. <laughs> a guy named Phil. Phil is, I, I sent you that um, email. Phil, Phil was like the first, remember that really nice email I sent you the other day? Oh, Phil was, was the, the first, first one? Person. Yeah. Those were really, really sweet. I, I felt completely taken... I was totally taken aback by those because that's the way I talk about J.K. Rowling's writing. And it's just sort of like, well, I, I, can't, I can't feel like we can be compared to that. It was fan fiction. But the, the letters are incredibly kind. They Jen really here was the one who wrote the second one, just so you know. <laughs> I was hoping you wouldn't say that. Don't say Ryan, don't say Ryan, don't say Ryan. I'm like, what's Ryan, what's Ryan, Thank you for taking the time to write that and to, to tell us how you felt about it and to send it. I mean, I think that that takes guts, too. I, I haven't even written J.K. Rowling a letter that tells her everything that I feel because I always think, oh, I can't really get it all in a letter. And as soon as I send it, I'll put <laughs> it back to send a new one. I'll write her a letter saying, don't read the first one they sent you. <laughs> and I, I told Phil when I read that letter that, you know, I have this, I mean, I, I said the same thing. I said it takes a lot of courage because I've had writers who, I felt like I read a book and I felt like it was so special to me. And I remember I went to a book signing once for an author and I had the book that had special meaning to me and I was standing in line. And, of course, he was promoting some other book. And I had this whole speech worked out. And as soon as I got up there, I got totally cold feet, grabbed the new book off the pile and just handed it to him. It was like, um, he's going to up to Jenny, bye. You know, and I realized now that he probably would have appreciated hearing Yep. What I had to say, I just, I, I totally chickened out, so. <laughs> <laughs> Poor thing. <laughs> there are still oh, people who are bringing your books, I'm sorry, there are still people who are bringing, you know, after the end to the Philippines with them on, you know, business trips, so. 
<laughs> well, I have to say personally that I'm glad that you wrote After the End When You Dead because you know, there were some things in canon that I was extremely sad about, you know, for example, Sirius dying. And I love reading After the End and getting him to be, you know, we get to read about him being alive. And I just, I really like what it. What might have know. been... What might have been... All right, my question. This this question's for Meg. We've been talking to Jenny for weeks, and you know we talked to her last week. When you know, I think when we're going to put this uh, podcast up, people will will have just heard it. And you're going to find this hard to believe, but she's very humble, and she basically you know doesn't try and take a lot of credit, and she basically says everything that was good, you know, came from you. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's, you know, it's all true. Um, <laughs> Oh my God! It's such a lie. It's such a deflection and a lie. She she's a wonderful writer. Um, And actually, we came together because we noticed each other's writing at Pemberley. I was writing a fanfic called Modesty and Mischief, and she was writing one. I can't remember what it was called actually, but I remember Wickham was Wickham's Evil Ways. Wickham's Evil Ways. (laughs) And it was pretty much all of the outtake scenes of. It was the missing moments that sort of put together how much more involved Wickham really was in Pride and Prejudice. And one thing in particular I really loved was when um, Darcy, I don't know how well you guys know Pride and Prejudice, but, you know, there's at some point Darcy does manage to finagle a wedding between Lydia and Wickham. And um, in doing that, they got got themselves in a little fist fight in London, and that was pretty magical. I loved that. (laughs) (laughs) And um, we, we actually got together to see Jennifer Ely who played Lizzie Bennett in the A&E Pride and Prejudice on Broadway in The Real Thing. And Jenny came up to meet me in New York and with a couple of other, actually, Jens, who also were on Cumberly at the time. And it was the day, in fact, that Goblet of Fire came out that we met. Um, we didn't know we were Harry Potter fans at all. I mean, we, we knew we were individually Harry Potter fans. We didn't know each other. <clears throat> interested and uh, that was why when Jenny found my one Harry Potter fanfic she knew she was like oh my god I found this I know who you are now <laughs> oh no 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 because I was embarrassed at first I thought you know writing Pride and Prejudice fanfiction there was something sort of I don't know there, there was something sort of uh, about that but writing Harry Potter fanfic at first I was like oh my god these people are probably all 11 like I, why am I so compelled to do this I'm going to hide it on fanfiction.net and no one will ever know well that didn't work out yeah. <laughs> I could I could just interject for a second and say two things the first one is that Meg's Pride and Prejudice story is wonderful and I think it's mine is not archived at Pemberley anymore because I never finished it but oh. I'm pretty sure yours is still archived up there Meg but I can't remember the title Modesty and Mischief. Modesty and Mischief. Yeah, that's right. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Oh, it's and it's pretty it's pretty great. <laughs> and the, the other thing I say is that is that I, Meg really like I feel like she tutored me with my first Harry Potter fan fiction because I was just you know I'd written this Jane Austen thing but I still I hadn't written anything creative since like high school. It was another summer. Point. It was so good. Oh, thanks. But it was, you know, it was, just, you know, I would email you chapters and you would give me feedback. And, you know, I mean, it was just that back and forth that I really feel, you know, helped me get confidence and helped me get, to, you know, the fact that I had a friend out there who I knew if anybody read my story, at least my friend would read it, um, <laughs> you know, was a really great thing to have at that time. So 
That was more of the beginning of the beta process for us, too, was just trading chapters back and forth and getting feedback and taking it back. And at this point, I mean, there there was a time when, like, I, I really couldn't withstand much actual criticism. I pretty much wanted the feedback to be praise. And, and I didn't like it when it was anything else. And it took a while to get over it. Not over, because I don't think you ever get over getting criticized on your personal work, but to just sort of be open to it. And I've learned yeah. so much in the past seven years about writing, and it's because I have friends who are very talented and very smart and very willing to say what they think. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I was going to say is that, um, you know, when I first started talking to Jenny, she says, oh, you know, I'm curious if you can tell the parts I wrote and the parts Meg wrote. I'm like, it seems like one person wrote it. <laughs> you, you yeah, I was like, No. <laughs> You you can't you I would never if if I if someone just handed it to me and said read this I never could have told could have you know told from it that you know more than one person wrote it now it's the most fascinating thing to me because you know to anyone who's ever worked in a group project in high school or college it, it, you know it, it's very easy to tell who wrote what so I think oh, that's and a lot credit. of times in high school and college I think probably everyone on the phone right now is the person in the group who did all the work yeah <laughs> probably. <laughs> That wasn't the case in, in this at all. It was really, it was not just a joint, I think, but a group effort. We had some pieces, the Jedi Boy to Cheer. I I would chat out all of the Ginny Draco stuff. <laughs> Anything that involved Draco, really, or a Malfoy, I would go to Jedi Boy to Cheer, and we would just chat the whole thing out, and a lot of that dialogue came straight from her. I mean, we just, not that it was, like, just a cut and paste of a bunch of things, but it Everybody influenced it. Everybody who was part of our fandom lives and who is really actually part of our real lives at this point. It was so much fun. I can't really tell what I wrote and what Jenny wrote. I, just, I, I really can't. Looking back Jenny Twitter, found a way around that. Jenny just says that you wrote it off. So. Well, that's fine. I, I, that's fine. I'll, I'll, take, I'll take full and complete credit. Sure. <laughs> For whatever it is, 1,800 pages or something. But, um, no, it was... I do remember some parts that I wrote because I remember writing them, but I certainly can't tell from reading them which parts I wrote, if that makes sense. I remember writing certain scenes. I remember writing um, Ginny watching Harry fly on the broomstick um, at the very beginning of the story, picking at the knees of her jeans, because I know how that feels. That is a very real part of me and my life and just like, you know, that's what makes stories fun is going back into your life for those things that break your heart and making them making them happen to other people instead. <laughs> well and I think they are real because I think in some some time in everybody's life they go through something like that. Yeah, they pine. I think pining is a yeah, pining. Is a pretty unifying human emotion. Everybody's pine. <laughs> And you can write pining sappy and obnoxious, and you can hate the person who's doing the pining, or you can really know what they're going through. And I don't like the stories where Ginny is a sappy bullshit piner. Pardon me. Oh, <laughs> I cannot live without my hair. I will die. It's not like that for her. It's just, you know. I have to advise you all to to plug another fic is to go read um, Chain Smoking Harry, which was written by Dee Bennett. Because there's one point in there where she like she has Ginny come in and she has no spine, and she just like falls over. She's like, "How did Ginny have no spine?" And then she falls over to catch her. Oh, I like paper. I like paper. Yeah, that is a stereotype. 
Oh, oh Bill, you have that part where Bill and Adam are in the barn. Oh, because cool. I remember feeling for some oh, reason yeah. like that was really like. To me, while I was writing that, I remember feeling like that was very profound. <laughs> I know, I know, but uh, yeah, so that's fun. That was a good moment. I love the. I decided. I told Ryan, I go, I wish Bill would have adopted him, and because he he's such the father figure in it. I love Jen, Bill. Fine. Maybe someday, but if Bill adopted him, then he couldn't marry uh, Gabrielle later on. Ooh, that would have been a lot. No, no, no. They're totally getting married. Come on. <laughs> I get real forever. They're the only ones who can understand each other. They live on the street together, man. No one can really understand them. <laughs> <laughs> he loved her before she was all beautiful and shit. He loved her when she was Yeah, he loved her. her when she was just an urchin. <laughs> <laughs> That's true love. True love. He was scared of pennies and crusts with her. <laughs> My boyfriend is here room. with um, us at this conference, and he is a huge Harry Potter fan. I actually met him on Sugarquill two years ago. Harry Best Potter, right? thing to come to me through Harry Potter fandom is right here, but he has not read all of ATE, and that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Meg, we have a question. We hear he looks like Harry Potter, and in the middle of the night, you draw a little scar on his forehead. Can you confirm or deny? Um, sometimes in the middle of the night, I do draw a little scar on his forehead. <laughs> <laughs> and take pictures. And sell them. On the Internet. <laughs> <laughs> He does have glasses and green eyes and dark hair, and he does uh, have his hair is rather unruly. Unfortunately, no lightning-shaped scar. <laughs> Unfortunately, he was not shot by the Dark Lord at a young age. Good that he's not dead. That's the hand of the Dark Lord. That's true. Well, um, I was curious at how you came up with um, Jimmy being a healer and Hermione being a thinker, and. Ron having ministry superpowers. It's pretty funny because we thought that was a pretty intuitive thing. Like Hermione, she's bigger. <laughs> she's a, she's like more empathic. You know, she's more about the people who are around her. And when when we went to write Hermione as a thinker, though, we sent her to hippie touchy feely land in hell. We were like, this is not going to be normal thinker. She's not going to be doing the kind of thinking she thinks she likes to do. No, we're going to have her do the most touchy-feely, like, get in touch with the vibes of the air. (laughs) So we actually made it pretty counterintuitive for Hermione. And we did not intend, I don't think, at first, for it to be such a struggle for her. We thought it was a position that really lined up with her. But as we started writing it, and a lot of that was Jenny, too, I have to say. A lot of what happened on the island was was Jenny. Cortona? Was that the name? Yeah. 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 Well, the funny thing about the thinking is that I, I... now that I do yoga, I don't know, <laughs> I'm a little better with, like, the meditation part of things. But at the time that we were, I'm still not a very good sort of meditator person. I can't stop my mind from wandering. And I, like, Hermione's frustration, I mean, that would totally be me. I would be like, I'm on this beautiful island. It's lovely. I'm really, I would love to be here soaking up the rays. But um, don't ask me to close off my mind and not think about anything because I just stupid, you know. And I think that's how Hermione felt. When she was there. So that's why it was so hard for her to meditate, because it's so hard for me. I am Hermione. You are well, Hermione. I just really liked, oh, I, I really liked the idea of healer. I thought that was such an interesting way that you wrote that with her unnodding things, and 
I sound really creative. I just can't say. Can we make I mean, you 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 came up with the idea. I mean, mainly at first it was a way for Jenny to give Harry a back rub, but then <laughs> I think that's about true. Yeah. <laughs> It's like, why would? You, how can we make this happen in a realistic way? Well, we knew we had to. I mean, obviously, it's a post Hogwarts story, so we knew they were all going to be looking for themselves professionally. So it's pretty. It's pretty easy to know that Harry is going to default to Quidditch, but ultimately be notable, and then that Ron. I mean, Barr just seemed right for Ron, and Boyer seems right for Ron too, because Ron, there's nothing he likes more than getting in somebody's face and yelling at him. Yeah, <laughs> and. Uh, <laughs> And he's good at it. I mean, from we took that lawyer thing. That didn't come out as nothing. He did a lot of studying about Buckbeak, and he was totally he he was really demoralized when that did not work out after he had done all that work. I think, I think he thought if he just studied and learned things and put together a good case, it would work out. And I think his first taste of that not really being the case in in terms of how justice really works was uh, pretty mortifying for him. So. I think also because in that book he wanted to impress Hermione by doing that and make it up to her for being an asshole. But um, oh, I like your pirate mirror. Aww. But, um, but yeah, healer. Yeah, with the background. Because his back was all nodded. She's like, maybe I can help you. <laughs> I love that you have to make her like an empathic, you know, healer. One of them, you know, billion people can do this just so she can give Harry a back rub. I just love that. Well, yeah. I mean, I guess it's kind of mathematically impossible that you would have the one thinker in the world and the one healer in the world just happen to live in the same house and date <laughs> each other. In the same room. I, yeah, I just, I think uh, we sort of went a little, we went a little days of our lives on that, but that's okay. <laughs> Me, Rami, Attorney General, and for that, I just say cool. Mm. I know, it was cool. Uh, I just want to say hi to uh, Secretary Privy Rose K. Brown and oh, everyone else oh, in the background. Secretary Privy Rose K. Brown. Secretary Privy, see if you can get her to Secretary Privy Rose K. Brown is in the shower and does not want to be disturbed. If we talk to Maureen Knight, if you want. <laughs> well, is she going to have a clipboard? I just have to ask. Yeah. She's standing right here. She's standing right here. She's sweaty. I mean, she's just coming off of practice. She's got to go back up in about two minutes. But but she can talk to you for a second. Hold on. Hold on one second. Here she is. Uh, I wish we'd seen Oliver in a towel. <laughs> yes. How are you doing? I'm fine. <laughs> okay, so could you please comment on Oliver Wood in the towel? Because that's what Jen and Jules really want to hear about right now. Um, he would be really pissed off if I told everybody that he looked really good in a towel. But I'll tell you anyway. He looks really good in a towel. He looks better without the towel. <laughs> Well, I know that uh, on the forum, my little saying is, I stole Charlie Weasley's towel. <laughs> and I just thought it was really funny that we see yeah. him with towels a lot. And so I was sad we never saw Oliver, you know. Yeah. <laughs> well, I see him every day. So. <laughs> it's so old. Yeah. Maureen's had to retire from Quidditch. She now runs yeah. retired from Quidditch. She works the same All personal life of her insane wizard children. <laughs> 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 yeah, he really he really would want a Quidditch team, wouldn't he? 
have you given uh, Oliver any little babies, Maureen? Um, not yet, no. You're still working on that? <laughs> yes. Well, you know, he's he's trying very, very hard. <laughs> he's so hyper and he's so nervous that, you know, maybe he's just having problems with that, but I'm, I'm sure everything's going to work out fine. <laughs> I hope so, and I hope he doesn't hear your comment. <laughs> oh, my God. I have to say that that scene where he goes to Harry, and Harry is just almost plummeted to his death by catching that snitch, and they find that it's, like, caught up his sleeve, and, and Oliver is, like, standing there with tears in his eyes. I knew you could do it. It was one of my favorite sick lines. I think that is just hysterical. Well, he doesn't remember it because he was hit by a blunder right after that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right, right. Yeah, that day is pretty much shot. Poor Maureen. She, she's like, she I don't remember me. any of the story. She had to go. <laughs> Secretary Privy Rose K. Brown is putting on her makeup. Hold on. Secretary Privy Rose yeah. K. Brown wears makeup? No, Secretary Privy Rose K. Brown wears um, makeup that cannot be seen. Yeah. She wears invisible, invisibility makeup. Invisibility. <laughs> she, also, she also has, like, this weird British Paducah, Kentucky accent. <laughs> well, she's actually undercover right now, working on a case of um, dragon abuse in Kentucky. So she's had to take on a persona. Um, we don't understand why they would send the secretary for me to do this job. <laughs> but, uh, well, hold on. Now she's the chancellor of the Exchequer or something like that, isn't she? She got promoted. Um, actually, she might be the ambassador because Nick oh. wanted to do some research out here. And, you know, she'll oh. follow him to the end of the earth. Or to the gotcha. comes first. Gotcha. So what happens to Lawrence, the security guard? <laughs> well, eventually, you know, after the end of... After yeah. the end... Um, Arthur, of course, realizes what a loyal friend he has in Lawrence, and Lawrence is uh, asked to head up the first uh, Wizarding Secret Service. So that's that's what goes on. Good old Lawrence is um, always by Arthur's side for as long as he is in the ministry. So, there you go. And I'm assuming Arthur is in, is the minister for quite some time. Oh, oh yeah. He re, he's re-elected, right? He is re-elected. I mean, he's yeah. he's officially elected. I do have a question, because we asked uh, Jenny last week, you know, what happens to the characters in, you know, 10, 15 years, and she had difficulty remembering if Draco lived or died. So I think I kind of <laughs> caught her you know, on maybe a bad moment. Do you know what happens to the characters in, you know, 10 or 15 years? Do you remember, or...? In 10 or 15 years? Oh, yeah. They're, in 10 or 15 years, they're enjoying their lives. Basically, the darkness... They're at Hogwarts, right? ...for the time being. I would say it's longer than 10 or 15 years before they go back to Hogwarts. I think they probably have their families send their own kids to Hogwarts before they return. I don't think they'd want to be there interfering in their children's own experience because no one interfered in theirs. And then I think after their kids graduate and are out of there, they probably would want to go back and take over that school because that's their, that's their home. That's Harry's home. I like that. I do too. I don't think if there's any of the characters I need to know about or else I'll die. Hmm. I know. I'll die. Because we're going to hang up on the interview and then we're like, crap, I forgot to ask what happened to. Yeah, we can always still do email. 
This is true. One question, though. This is my last question, and I'm going to turn it over to Jules, who's been waiting patiently. Goldie's Liquid Curse. What is it? <laughs> Jenny can answer this question. Goldie's Liquid Curse is actually, it's basically, I don't know if anybody here has is Hungarian or has ever been to Hungary, but there's a drink that they sell there called Unikum, which comes in a bomb-shaped bottle, and uh, it's green, and I think it kind of tastes like Jägermeister. I mean, it's one of those things, and it's made from a mysterious blend of magical herbs and, um, oh, they don't say magical, but secret blend of herbs. And so basically, Goldie's Liquid Curse is just that, except magic. It might have some nargles in it or something, I don't know. So it'll get you drunk, too. Yeah, it will. I've heard that. We tried to get some here in the French Quarter, but no one had heard of it. <laughs> Jules, do you have a question? Um, yeah. How did you come up with, um, like, some of the real, the, your pairings, the, the minor pairings, I guess, um, like Colin and Eloise or Seamus? Well, I don't know. Seamus and Lavender, for some reason, to me, always seem kind of obvious, but... Um, but then Ron's like a yeah. tongue down her throat. Now everybody. <laughs> well, I know. I know. That kind of just really sucked me. But, you know, like beforehand, I always, I don't know, maybe that's a fandom thing, but I always paired those two together. But, like, yeah, Colin and Eloise or, shoot, I just forgot. Well, you know, Fred, uh, Charlie and Joe. The, the, oh, well, Charlie and Joe. Oh, boy, were we off on Joe. Our show was way cooler than real show. Your show was <laughs> oh, I liked the real show. Oh I like after the end show so much better. Well, so uh, much better. The show is, is like, you know, she takes the experience of Cedric and is sort of like a broken woman, but like internalizes that and turns it into her motivation and goes forward with her life and becomes like this really cool dragon, like tamer and all. But, you know, real show just really wanted to cry about it and get sympathy. And, um, yeah, she's very weepy. Yeah, she's very weepy. I get annoyed with her. I do too. So did Carrie. I did. Yeah. Um, the minor pairings, some of them were really obvious to us. Like, people thought we were predicting Bill and Fleur, but Fleur is looking at him at the end of book four and eyeing him. And right. she hasn't looked at anyone else throughout the book. J.K. Rowling just is not a throwaway detail person. So it's right. She takes the time to say, this girl is looking at this boy in a particular way. You go, ding, 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 ding. That's going to happen. So we took that, and then we took um, Fred and Angelina from <laughs> Fred being a jerk and asking her to the dance in front of the whole rest of the room. And um, let's see. Colin and Eloise was just – Colin – well, we had to kill Dennis because we had to make something tragic for poor Colin. And then he was the <laughs> photographer, so that made sense. And to sort of resurrect Eloise as a – the swan was fun because, you know, that's an ugly, there's so many ugly ducklings in high school that turn out just beautiful. And right. she, you know, she was that. That was her journey was to be a troll until she grew into herself. And then to right. be a I'm, body. I really like those two together in, in that story. I just, and a part of that, I think, is Eloise growing into herself and, and the comedy yeah, and more mature. Still- she doesn't realize she's good looking. She's still completely insecure in a lot of ways, but Colin, you know, he's really, a, he's a good hearted person. You wouldn't want to put a character like Eloise, unless you were trying to tell like a more dismal story about human nature, you wouldn't want to put a character like Eloise with a jerk because they just right. take advantage of her. You want to put her with somebody who has like some noble characteristics. Mm-hmm. Uh, what happened to Penelope? 
Yeah, we, oh, so she was so. became a, a thinker, right? Yeah, yeah didn't she know become it? Marries eventually. Oh, somewhere down it. the line. It's probably a while. He's only like twenty three or something like that. Twenty three, you know. I mean, I think yeah. she remarries. <laughs> <She'll> <laughs> <for her own laughs> she she probably does. I think. Um, Who has more know. kids, Ron and Hermione, or Harry and Ginny? Ron and Hermione. Oh, wait, if Harry's having 12. Oh, that's true. <laughs> oh, oh, I always think of Ron and Hermione having, like, a litter, but maybe it is Harry and Ginny. <laughs> a litter. <laughs> but what we learned from the fortune teller last night is that, you know, your palm foretells the, um, and this is probably what Trelawney, Trelawney was predicting, your palm can foretell your potential for having children. So it could be that Harry had the potential to have 12 children, but I, for example, have the potential to have four healthy children, which I'm sure is true. <laughs> Did he get pregnant their first time? No, the first time they used a charm. Yeah. Okay, they, they all learn, you know, They're with so the young. protection techniques. Yes. They've been looking forward to trying out for quite some time. Down by the bay. Down by the bay. <laughs> you know it. <laughs> well, Harry and Ginny, I just wanted to start them out outside because I just, it's so visceral and they're, oh, they're just awesome. I love well, Ron and we, Hermione too. It's really hard to pick a favorite between those two pairings. Probably Ron and Hermione in a lot of ways is closer to my heart, but I I love like that pining element of Ginny and I I miss it to some extent in the books. I mean, I'm I'm glad she fucked up and moved on with her life and that Harry ultimately realized her worth, but it's... Did he get rid of her? I wish there had been a little more flushing out of that, but hopefully we'll get more of that in book seven. Just about their... I'm not talking about their even their romantic relationship. I'm just talking about their relationship as two people. I'd like to know more about it. We don't see much. It's a shame. There's not... I mean, it's not a romance, the, the Harry Potter story, so... You're not going to get as much of that as you want, but yeah, and that's I think why so many people love After the End because it's written primarily almost like a Love Actually type of yeah, it is kind of like Love Actually in terms of there being you know eight whatever vignettes that you continually return to over and over. Although they're not vignettes, they're each their own freaking novel. Yeah, (laughs) intertwined. So, do you think that After the End is going to become more popular after Deathly Hollows comes out? You know. Do you think more people are going to get more into fan fiction? I don't. I don't know really what the trends are in fan fiction right now. It seems like I, I'm fine with leaving it up pretty much forever. Um, and if people find it and they like it, that's awesome. And if people find it and they want to write reviews like "You got all of this guy wrong," "Serious guy," blah blah blah. <laughs> do you, do you get reviews like that now? Oh yeah. Seriously, do you? We get reviews all the time. I get reviews a lot of the time, actually, that tell me that I'm wrong about things that we didn't find out until later books, and it's just kind of like, well... You just want to say, you know, this was written before we knew that. Well, I, I at first, yeah, you want to hold on to everybody and tell them where they can get off, and then you just eventually have to let it go. Just go, well, obviously, they didn't look at the date that this was posted, and... They're more interested in telling people that they're wrong and stupid than in actually reading fanfic, so that's fine. 
what really amuses me is we laughed about 20 minutes that you made Madungus Fletcher the head of magical law enforcement, but we never commented on the fact that Sirius didn't die. <laughs> yeah, Mundungus Fletcher, we did make him the head of magical law enforcement. So we were wrong on Mundungus Arabella's death. Yeah, we were wrong on them. We were wrong on Cho. We were wrong on, um, who else did we really, really miss? Um, uh, it hard. Well, I, we might have missed Percy. I don't know. We don't know yet. Yeah, we don't know yet. About well, apparently Remus and Sirius aren't in love in that way. But maybe they were. You never know. It was not ruled out. More on that, just one moment. I heard I heard the cookboard. Hey there, how are you doing? Hey, Secretary Hi. Pretty Rose K. Brown. Yes, it is Rose Secretary K. Pretty Rose K. Brown. It is really K. Rose Brown, yes. How so how are you doing it? today? We hear you wear invisible makeup. Well, it is not invisible makeup. It is fair minerals, and they've been mocking me because I just got it, and I'm like, telling of the virtues of this, and they're giving me a hard time. <laughs> that is true. I, I did, I did Jenya, and she looks stunning, so. She looks fun. And makeovers and a conference. I love it. And Mo is fond of it, too. She wears liquid pitch all the time, she says, to maintain her stunning complexion. No, I just want to compliment you on your Kentucky accent that you're pulling off here. Oh, thank it's you. You're no, difficult it is, for a person from England, yeah. It is extremely hard. I, I, have, I can do a whole range of Southern accents. It's really kind of amazing considering where I'm from. Now, how is Mick? You know, he's great. I had to leave him for the weekend to come to New Orleans, but he's taken care of the farm. We bought a little cute little farm outside of London. Farm? <laughs> It's right next to the bar, Jen. It's right next to the bar. I'm sorry. Oh, I can't see Mick doing a farm. But no, I guess we no. do it with Rose Calvin to do it. Oh, no, we go back and forth. I mean, that's just like our that's like our country place. We're doing quite well. Well, you're, you're doing quite well. You, you, you were the chancellor of the Exchequer for a while, and you were in running for minister a couple times there. So I oh, want yeah. to know, I want to know what the conversation held between... Uh, Draco and Rose when she went to tell him what's what and to make the deal. Oh, it was great. I, I just like, I completely told them off. It was fabulous. I'd love to have seen that scene, I think. <laughs> well, you know, if I can remember more about it, I would like to know. <laughs> but I, I think it was mentioned we are in New Orleans and strangely, there's this really interesting street that runs through here called Bourbon Street. Mm-hmm. And um, we were we walked up and down that a whole lot last night, holding open containers of, you know, refreshing mineral water. For some reason, it has strange effect on me, and I can't quite remember. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it'll come to me eventually. So, where are you all? Where are you calling from? I'm calling from Massachusetts. Okay. And I'm yeah. in Texas too. Oh, yes. we're, we're close okay, together, cool. aren't we? We're about yeah. 300 miles, I guess. Not, not oh. too awfully far, considering. And we are off on the like the other end of the world up here, but you know. Well, yeah, but I love that area. I I went to Salem for the first time a couple of years ago, and would love to come back up. It's it's that's a, that is such a great town. Yeah, we were talking to um Linda Leo the other day, and she went to actually a Quidditch game in the Salem Common. Oh, excellent! <laughs> People ran around. That's so fabulous. 
Well, I'm going to pass you back over to Arabella. It was very nice to speak to you all. Secretary Privy, right? It was nice meeting you. <laughs> it's nice meeting you, too. Here's Arabella. Hello. How are we doing? I'm trying to pick which earrings to wear. I wish you guys could see so you could tell me. Um, the right. I'm the one on the right. One's on the right. Oh my, the one's on the right? Oh, okay. Those are really sparkly. Okay. All right. All right. I know you guys are probably running out of time, so would you mind if we go into our rapid fire mode? Yeah, that's fine. Sure. <laughs> what, what do they call that on a... The, Wheel of Fortune or whatever, the final spin. Yeah. We are, we are going to go through our final questions that have to be asked. Okay. Okay. Because well, we, we have people, people we need to get back to who have asked us these questions, so we just need to people will beat you. <laughs> yes, people will beat us. All right. So my first question, can you please tell us how much Harry got paid as a Quidditch player? <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you how much Harry got paid as a Quidditch player. He got paid nothing because he violated his contract and took off to take care of those Dementors. He is still suing them. (laughs) (laughs) Harry doesn't need money. I mean, whatever, he doesn't even know how much he got paid because it's just getting thrown into his vault. He doesn't pay attention. This is true. He doesn't learn about finances until he's about 40. (laughs) (laughs) Hermione quietly takes care of all his bills without telling him because otherwise they wouldn't get paid. He just is clueless. I love that. Oh, I really like that. All right, Jen, your rapid-fire question? Uh, was anything else found in the vault other than the box? Yes, Harry's yes. mother's eyes were found there. <laughs> <laughs> Which is how he, in fact, came to have his mother's eyes. <laughs> oh, I want to know what he decided to do with his town. Doggers follow. He found out oh, he right. started the entire... You know, he he makes it a a protected area for for refugee wizards. Uh, it's surround, he has floors surround it within a, a huge spell so that wizards who are running away from uh, evil can live in Godric's Hollow without being found. It's the ultimate secret keeping retreat. Awesome, nice. Jules, um, which is your favorite Harry Potter character in canon and in After the End? Oh, that's so hard. Favorite Harry Potter character in canon? Well, probably Harry. Yeah. How, uh, how not at all, how not at all creative is that? Harry's, uh, really turned out to be pretty amazing. A pretty amazing person. He's really starting to become a man, standing up to the... What? He is. He really stood up to the Minister of Magic at the end of the last book. He really took Dumbledore in his, in his own, you know, stride at the end. He he tried to help. I worry a lot about Harry because I feel like the, the deficit in his training is pretty enormous. I mean, he couldn't really help Dumbledore at all, and now Dumbledore's gone. So <laughs> I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty worried about, about young Harry, but I don't think he's gonna die. Um but I do, he's such a noble guy. He's so brave. He's so funny in his head, and he really takes care of the people that he loves. I think he's a really good character. Apart from him, my favorite character will probably be Arthur. Um, <laughs> super dad. I like Arthur, too. Arthur is super dad. And Arthur after the end, end. Ginny in After the End is so much of what I, I often wish I could be. I really like her. I, I you know... 
But I also really like Arthur and After the End. <laughs> I love Arthur and After the End. Arthur, Arthur actually seems to be like kind of double doorish in After the End. He seems to be like the calm old man who doesn't get phased by things and takes it all in stride and does the right thing. He seems very much like he kind of picked up the double door mantle a little bit. I think he's sort of in mind to pick that up in canon, too, just in terms of being really an advisor and a mentor and a good person. But so is Remus Lupin. I mean, he's pretty amazing. Um, yeah. yeah. I think Remus is one of my favorite characters. I know Remus is one of Jenny's favorite characters. Jenny is in love with Remus Lupin. Really? Jenny loves Remus. <laughs> True. I thought you said for a minute, Ginny loves Remus. I got confused, but now. Oh, my God. All right. My final question for uh, for Arabella. Uh, okay. This is going to be kind of like a like a twofer here. Uh, okay. One of our um, four members wrote in, where did you get the Indian reference for a healer from, and I believe it's Zamida Zabutan, B-I-B-H-U-S-H-A-N. I can't pronounce it, but it's the Indian reference for a healer. I'm not sure if you remember where you got that from. I do not remember, and I will be honest with you here, a lot of places in After the End where you find a reference to any character name that is really quick or any cameo that happens to be rather quick and sort of uh, doesn't... A lot of times when there are little references that are not framed up in any way, you can bet that it was some kind of inside joke or insult <laughs> that we added in the story and didn't tell anyone about for our own mm-hmm. evil pleasure. What? PAP, for example, mm-hmm. that means a lot to us and yes. not just permanent <laughs> Azkaban stroll. <laughs> a lot of the names. A lot of the names, a lot of the things we did. Um, I, I'm always amazed that people don't pick up on something. Nobody ever noticed. We always did something funny. We were like, okay, well, we got away with that. <laughs> That's all we're saying. That's all we're saying. Kristen Peltier. Kristen R. Peltier is another one who is really, really more of a euphemism for a man. Maureen Knight was also a reaction to something else in another story, ultimately. That is so cool. Yeah. I think I think I told you guys that, and you could air this because we decided we don't care, that the whole opening line to the entire story is poking fun at Oh, yeah. My shippers. I swear to Darby, Larry, I love you. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> this is going to be our age all the way, bitches. So, uh, yeah. So, definitely. I know. What did I do that? Do you ever told you? probably that? came into this interview thinking that we were nice and good. And actually, oh, yeah. And actually, I can Now your dreams are dashed. Now you're more like me than you can possibly imagine. What I was going to say was that I would really appreciate if the listeners to this podcast could help us out because we embedded sounds and freaky links in one of our channels. Oh, yeah. And I think it's on the Yahoo group. I don't know if we took it down or not, but one of the, it was like a really sad, serious chapter. And there's one like, if, you, if you click on Remus's name, and you can't tell because there's no color, but if you accidentally were to do it, you would hear, <laughs> and there were a bunch of sounds embedded in the chapter like that, but we can't remember where it is. I remember reading in like some of the words had links, I think. And some of them were to pictures as well, I think. Right, and I was I was disappointed to find that like only two out of the whole story actually work now. Oh, yeah, oh. Could you read the story again so oh, they and don't just click on every time he comes up and just see if you can find it for them? Do you have time? Right now? 
Yeah, just go read the story again and just click on Remus every time his name comes up. Oh, yeah, okay, just give me 30 seconds. Okay. All right, my final question. Can you please pronounce the name of the spell that they used to defeat Voldemort? Because every time I said it for the first two episodes, I swear and have to... He made it sound dirty. Um, (laughs) What was it? Sacrificum. Sacrificum, okay. Oh, I said it wrong, too. I was saying expecto sacrificum, so thank you. Oh my god, that's wonderful. Everything is special sacrifice. I was saying sacrificum. I don't. You may be more correct in terms of the Latin. I I, I don't. Yeah, I was thinking crificum is just how I managed to. Yeah, that's that's a mouthful. Eh? Okay. <laughs> I was to die for you, Harry. I love you. <laughs> Are you going down the list there, Ryan? Because I want to know the, how you pronounce some of the other names that were on that list. Oh, I, oh, think sure. we, I think I think uh, I think I think I think Jenny took care of us on that. Uh, culprit. Uh, culprit. I think, uh, it's bark. The the goblin was uh, was bark snap, correct? Bark. Yeah, bark snap. Okay, I was wrong. Silent think goblin name. The thinker is Delia. 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 Okay. Delia. And, and Harry is given a birthday present that was his parents, it was home movies, and it was called a Canolia? Mm-hmm. Canolia. Okay. Those are the ones that's, I couldn't pronounce in the end. I still can't. I always go on and on about how awesome Harry's birthday is. Like, he gets the best gift, and then, like, everyone else in the story gets, like, the dumbest thing. <laughs> well, we actually went for a lot of we didn't really brainstorm for a while about those presents, too. We're <laughs> like, all right, we need to give them good things. People, uh, they were really out of a war. How do we top the cannolia? Because Jenny has to give him something. Like, we, it, it was a, it was a you know, subject of much study. But, um, mm-hmm. yeah, other people do get sort of dumb gifts. But see, boys aren't as good at giving, like, and I shouldn't, that poor Devin. Yes, sir. You are. But... You know, Harry, at age 18, I can't imagine being the most sensitive gift giver um, when it no. comes to girls. You mean yeah. the hat wasn't a, wasn't a real gift? The, the purple hat with the with the glittery stuff on it that wasn't supposed to be a no, gift? No, that was meant to be a joke about how Harry probably would really suck at picking out something like that. <laughs> yep. He managed to make it bad. Yeah, he but his letter... Who wrote Harry's letters? <laughs> I don't know. Was it hard to write them so under, so first graderish? No, because God, haven't you ever gotten letters like that from people? I get them all the time. You know, I'll write like these, I'll write like these tones to people, like here's what's going on in my life, and here's all this wonderful stuff, and then someone writes back and like, and people write like, oh, 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 <laughs> True. That is true. All right, so I'm done, Jules. Jen, what question uh, do you have before we wrap up? I think up? I'm done, too. Okay, Jen. I'm so much fun. I'm sad. There are no people. <laughs> you guys are so cool. Oh, look, you're, you're real people. You pay taxes. Yeah. I know. I can't tell you the disappointment I felt in learning that she had to pay taxes. I don't know. I'm disappointed by that a lot myself. Some yeah. of us don't always pay our taxes. Some of us do. That doesn't need to get aired. <laughs> <laughs> No, it would just be if we could just live that. a life of pure fanfic and fun, but it doesn't, you know. Unfortunately, no one paid us to write our fanfic because that would be illegal. 
Are y'all planning to ever do another collaborative fan fiction again? Like, even if it's completely different storyline, you know, after Deathly Hallows, 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 yeah. Harry Potter has been such a long, like, sort of journey in terms of, that sounds so touchy-feely, but it, it's been like, it's been a long time. So in the past seven years, a lot has changed in our lives. I don't know if we're in a position right now to do what we did before, but... And we haven't really thought about doing another collaborative fic. In some ways, we think I'm. Just, well, we do, we do other collab. I mean, we do collaborate. Like we we do other collaborative things. We, do we write little scripts and. Like that. But it's 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 a it's a time thing. I mean, I think both of us were at just better places. More, we had more time before. I don't know why that is exactly, but we did. And now we don't have as much time. That's the problem. If someone would like to give us money. Oh, yeah. Then we have all the time in the world. I'll raise yeah. so much fanfic as anybody wants. <laughs> well, I've just opened this photo studio, and so when I get, you know, that million-dollar mark a year, yeah, I'll help you. Awesome. Yeah, thanks a lot. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, I'll just start paying for y'all to write stories to entertain me. Oh, man. That's, that's the dream. send the Bennett your way because she's an excellent photographer. I've actually been trying to get stuff published for a while. It hasn't been working out um, at this really? point. Really? When it, when it does, I'll, I'll definitely, you know, if fandom's still around or if anybody in fandom even still knows what's going yeah, I, I will tell people. What are you writing about? I, know, I, I knew you were writing. Jenny mentioned you were writing, but what are you writing about? You can tell us. Um, nothing at the moment, to be honest. Um, I had some projects fall through and some disappointments happened this year and some, you know... I, I, rejection puts me in good company, I know. It's just, it's going to be a while. Uh, I, I don't know what's going to happen next. I wish I had more to tell you guys, but since there's absolutely nothing that's in the pipeline that's real, <laughs> but I, I'll just leave it until it is. I'll wait until Okay. That sounds good. Fair enough. And if, and if you ever have that rejection feeling, go on our forum and search for posts from a guy named Phil. Phil. Oh, or Jen. Yay, Phil. Okay, so I think um, we'll let you guys go because we know you have a full day walking down Bourbon Street with your mineral water. With our mineral water. Clear, maybe. Your clear mineral water that makes you forget things. Yes. Yes. It's because it's charmed. It is charmed. (laughs) I think y'all should find Goldie's liquid curse. That should be your goal for today. I think that whether we find Goldie's Liquid Curse or not today, we will, at the end of the day, feel as though we have. <laughs> Good point. Guys, thanks so much for taking time out of your day to do this. We've been reading Thank after the end. Thank you so much for asking. Thank you for having fun. Yeah. Thank you for having after the end be your first uh, take on your, on your website. Oh, it was nice. I like anything else. Aw. Aw. It's nice to meet all of you. <laughs> Thank you. Will y'all enjoy enjoy the rest of your conference? I'm I'm very jealous that I couldn't make it this weekend. Yeah, it's a shame that we can't meet you guys here in person. Um, I know. Thank you so much. This is a real pleasure. No problem. It's been great talking to you. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you too. Bye. Bye. If you've heard anything in this episode that you would like to comment on or would like to contribute to the show, you can email any of our staff at their names at potterfickweekly.com or you can email staff at potterfickweekly.com. If you would like to send in a voicemail message, you can either call 781-352-0643 
and you can leave a voicemail up to two minutes in length, or you can email us an audio file to our email address, and we can play that on the show. You can also download a program called The Gizmo Project, and you can uh, contact us that way through your computer. For more information, visit polarficweekly.com.